welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is actress Noelle Wells. You may have seen Noelle on Master of None or SNL or a million other things. And today she's on my podcast talking to me about a million different things. We talk about crippling social anxiety, SNL, Master of None, body dysmorphia, Drake parental approval and her experience writing and directing her first feature film. Um, we also talk about mushrooms, but I mean, come on, that's a given. Anyway, here's the thing. Before I throw us over to, uh, to the conversation with Noelle, I do have to say, uh, it's kind of stressful to be recording a podcast intro because I'm recording this on election day and the podcast will be released tomorrow on Wednesday. We'll have the results of the election, but, uh, Right now, it's kind of panicky because Trump is in the lead, and of course, I voted for Hillary, and uh, I, I'm just fucking terrified. So, I've, if you can hear the anxiousness in my voice, it's just because it feels ridiculous to be recording a podcast intro, is all. But the show must go on, and uh, I do have to get an intro in to Aristotle because I don't want him or Chris Hardwick to fire me and throw me off the Nerdist Network at large. So here we go. Um, you guys, I would like to thank all of you for subscribing on iTunes. If you haven't done it, I encourage you to do so. If you like the show, the Love Alexi podcast, um, subscribing on iTunes, rating the show, leaving a comment, it really does help me. It helps me grow the show. And I read all of the comments, and I'm reading them right now, and they're so kind and wonderful, and I can't believe it. There is one mean one, and I don't love that. And, of course, that's the one I'm harping on. But anyway, but all the love, I can't believe it. Thank you guys so much. And uh, I, I also would like to encourage you guys to send in emails to the show. Uh, you can send those emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, whether you have a question about love, sex, dating, relationships, life, what it all means, or you just want to make a comment or whatever, uh, send your email in so I can read them on the air. And uh, I'd like to start uh, by reading an email today. Finally, I've been meaning to do this every single week, and I don't know why it's taken me like 40-something episodes to finally start reading emails on the show. But this one is from a girl named Shay. And she writes, Hi, Alexi. My name is Shay. I live in San Jose, California, and I love, love, love your podcast. I relate to you every time you talk about men and going through relationships and struggling to stay single. The podcast with Ingrid Haas was wonderful. I had a great time listening to it, and it took me three days to complete it because I got so distracted by all the douchebags in my life that I want to get rid of. I'm 5'8", I'm from India, I'm 28 years old, and I live in California and have lived here for six years. My dream to come to the U.S. and live this life of fantasy has become a reality. Pretty soon, I kept dating and getting hurt, and then the loneliness struck me when I never expected it to. I couldn't believe it. I was always this carefree girl who knew what I wanted, but now it always ends up revolving around men who come and go out of my life. I want this to change. That's why I'm sending you this email. It's my big move, even though I know I'll be okay. I just, I, I need to stay away from this married guy at my workplace who is in love with me that I know I'm in love with too, and I'm responsible for leading him on. But I just wanted to be loved for once. I know I don't need that from a married guy though. And I'm sorry to go on about this, but it's crazy. I want your help to get out of it without hurting anyone. 
Anyways, thank you so much for being there. I'm a huge fan. And again, please keep sharing your thoughts. Love, Shay. Well, Shay, thank you for that really honest email. And uh, here's what I think. Stay away from married men. Get away from this guy. Uh, It is... Uh, listen, from my personal experience, I've been pursued by married men and I never get involved romantically uh, with married guys because it's a recipe for disaster. They never leave their wives, okay? They, they, they don't leave their wife. And if you engage in a relationship with them, you're always going to come in second. You're going to be sending text messages that don't get replied or hushed phone calls whenever they can slip away, but you'll always be like number two, and it will be the most painful, uh, unfulfilling experience of your life of like trying to pull something and and towards you that just isn't yours to begin with. All right. Uh, it, it shows that you have a lack of self-worth when you get involved with a married guy, because you're, you're thinking so little of yourself. And what about that quote? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Uh, yeah, I agree. Imagine you were married and some young girl was messing around with your husband. Wouldn't you hope that she would uh, see the, that the situation is uh, complicated and uh, and you would hope that maybe the girl would not get involved and, and, and respect the fact that he's married? And I always think I'm never attracted to married men because if a married man is flirting with me or wants to pursue something with me, I'm immediately turned off by that person because I think, oh, you're a cheater. That's off-putting. That means if you were with me, you'd be a cheater. I, I don't like it. So extricate yourself from the situation. And uh, and here's what I think you should do. While I actually do think dating is fantastic, um, and I, I'm very excited to get back into dating because I'm so sick of the sabbatical I've been taking from drinking and dating. I'm so bored. I'm so like ready to tap into my sexuality and my flirtatiousness and my sexual energy and prowess or what have you. Um, but there's a way in which uh, to go about it. And what I think is instead of uh, having, you know, st- uh, guy after guy and having these, all these unfulfilling experiences and hooking into one guy after the next or trying to get something happening and maintain something with it with a married guy, which is just going to be like so fruitless and unrewarding. Ooh, painful. Ooh, it's the worst. I've, 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 I know girls who have done stuff with married men, the worst. I mean, there are a million movies about it. Just anyway, spare yourself. It's bad karma. It's not cool. Anyway, what I think you should do is reroute the energy that you're putting out, uh, towards men married or otherwise. And, and, uh, Put that energy on yourself. I know it sounds cliche and uh, lame. I don't think it should. How dare you? Anyway, um, put that energy on yourself. Put yourself first, okay? Take the guy off the pedestal. Put yourself on the pedestal and, uh, you know, figure out what you love doing. Uh, Write a bunch of lists. It's such a cliche thing where uh, girls will tell their friends, oh, you got to make your list of your ideal dream boyfriends. You can manifest the the guy of your dreams. Well, that's fine and fun. Do that. That's great. Uh, but, but write a bunch of other lists. And, uh, you know, instead of just trying to conjure uh, the ideal soulmate or what have you, 
write a list of all the places you want to travel, all the accomplishments you want to make, all the books you want to read, the places you want to go, the TED Talks you want to watch, the podcasts you want to listen to. Be curious about life and uh, it makes life so much more interesting and it makes you such uh, so much more of an interesting person. And then what happens is you end up putting yourself first uh, and you make yourself the priority and you become grounded in yourself and that immediately makes any guy uh, fall to second position, maybe even third position if you put your friends before the guy or your family or your work or your career or hobbies or whatever. And then you're coming from a position of power and you're grounded in yourself instead of just aimless and feeling like you could be you know, blown over by a gust of wind because you're giving all your power away to these guys who really don't deserve your ten- attention or energy. Anyway, I hope that big sisterly uh, rant I just gave you was helpful. I would never give unsolicited advice, but you wrote me. And uh, thank you so much for writing in. If you want to follow Noelle on social media, you can find her on Twitter at RealTomHanks with a Z or on Instagram at Noelle Wells. And you can find me on all of social media at Alexi Wasser. And now I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation, my open and honest conversation with Noelle Wells. And I just pray by the time this podcast comes out, Hillary Clinton will have been elected as our president and not that fucking monster. Good luck. Enjoy the show. Now entering Nerdist.com. Oh my god, this is amazing. Oh hi, hi. you skipped right out. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm so good. You look so cute. Oh, thank you so much. This is Aristotle. Hi, Aristotle. Nice to meet you. Noelle. Oh my god, sit down here. This is great. Okay, it's all happening. He was just telling me about The Witch. The Witch? The movie? Yeah. Oh. It was a good movie. It was good? Yeah. Oh, cool. We got a good movie, Steve. It was mid-telling me about it. I really wanted to see it. And I was like, Noelle's here. Oh my god, stop telling me about it. Watch it with subtitles. Watch it with subtitles? It's in another language? No. It's just real thick accent. Real thick accent. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit! Are we? Are you good? Are we good? Yeah. Oh my god, we're like podcasting. I can't believe what's believe happening. It. <laughs> is Hello. That, is it already recording? We're already recording. Oh man, so I you mean, get to. I come in. You have me walking up. And... Yeah, I walk it, but I might cut into. You never know. I, I could cut into it at any time. I'm not cool. sure. We just start doing it, but then we heard your footsteps. We're like, oh my god, we're doing it. <laughs> Action! Oh fuck. Um. Oh, by the way, what's up, girl? I do cut stuff so i'm gonna ask Perfect. you right now okay <laughs> can i ask this is a quick aside i will cut this part out so be, um am i <laughs> me, 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 me. um uh can i say you're single you want you know not even enter any of that right i think that yeah i mean we can talk about like what i'm like in a relationship or like my types of relationship but yeah let's or, not say that or what the goal is or, yeah or, or how they, to make them work or yeah. like how i know i'm gonna be with somebody for a long time okay so we're gonna avoid that right you Thank can you talk for, about that but yeah. i guess just don't be like i'm single because i you know don't, she, don't <laughs> this is the exclusive okay sorry no no newsflash okay okay on the market no please don't <laughs> Don't do it. Okay. It'll, All be, right. it'll really kill my friends. So wait, what, 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 are we, what are we allowed to say? What, just so I'm clear and then... then I think you can talk to me. We'll just pretend like I, I'm... We'll just be... I don't know. Well, we'll find out. We'll okay. find out. All right. Um, okay. But there's so much more we can There is so much more. I can okay, talk wait. to you about you. That's true. Okay. okay. Hold on. I'm going to cut it Thank you for doing this. Yes. Is this water free? <laughs> this is your free Nerdist water, mm. uh, courtesy of Chris Hardwick. Very exciting. Um, 
Tell me everything. Who are you wearing? You look. People I just have, got it yesterday. This is so cute. Where'd you get this? At a vintage store called Recollection. I was driving. Recollection. I think it's in Virgil Village area. I was driving in traffic and I saw it and I pulled over. You did? So I wouldn't have to be in traffic. And the guy told me it was like six o'clock at night. And he was like, you're the first person to come in here today. Oh like, my God. You're like, I'm I'll so take s- everything. <laughs> I did definitely look at all the clothes much longer. And I, you did? I was like, oh, I like this one, but maybe not today. That yeah. actually toys with his emotions more because he's like, True. maybe she'll buy the stuff. Yeah. But uh, did you see that in the window when you pulled over? It was you- on a rack out- outside. Okay, because I... It I, called to me. It like it cawed to me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a, there's a bird. It's a par- parrot, guys. It's, it's a parrot. You, you guys, I'm into puns lately. You, you I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's just not a visual medium, so I got to explain to the audience. I got to let them know no. what uh, what they're missing. I assumed we we're gonna take lots of pictures of and references <laughs> and. Throughout the whole podcast, like little things will pop up and JPEGs. Yeah, exactly. Um, I drove past some shop one day on Vermont, uh, a very hip part of Los Angeles, you guys. Um, and I saw it was like a scene out of a movie where I saw a dress on a mannequin. I pulled over, made them take the dress off the mannequin, walked out of the store wearing the <laughs> dress, and I was like, "This is amazing! I feel so fresh and you know, <laughs> exciting." Um, where do we begin? Where have you been? You've been doing so many things. I like oh god oh shit sorry I no, was gonna say I like how close you are to the mic so I know I, tried I get it. you know and I listen back to the podcast and then I'll be like really really loud and then my guests will be like hey, Wait what's up <laughs> no I like it I like it because it you know it gives it like kind of a sexy thing and you're like in it and I don't really have to talk very hard I can just like sort of feel through my voice and. <laughs> And um, you're laughing very hard. I don't know if this is put on or what, but it's very sexy. Okay, sorry. I'm laughing hard and I'm trying not to laugh so much because I listen back to other episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. Um, oh. So, Alexi, just, just, you know, I'll be here for the rest of the thing. Um, I feel like I don't have to do work hard at all. That's what it... I feel like back here I have to put on a show back right right here. I don't I can just like do one word answers and moan and <laughs> Oh my god, please do. I was so I'm so nervous to do this. You I, are? Yeah, I'm I, I don't really um I get very nervous on podcasts for talking to people that I'm not super familiar with, although we know each other but we've only met I'm one time. I would like to impress you and I, I know you have you know, a fan base that wants to hear the stuff. I would like to be impressed. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah. And I, I want you to like me, and I want everybody to like me, and I just want Aristotle you to, to like me. I just want Aristotle to like me, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. It's like a running theme on the show. It's like I'm always like, I don't know. I think he hates me. He didn't return my text. He um, just shook his head no. I know. He loves both of us, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. He just went and saw Kanye West at the forum. Oh, cool. He's going twice. He's going tonight again. Was it? Is it a new show? I went to the Madison Square Garden. Is it the one with the platform that floats? Yeah, I saw that. I fell asleep. You did? How? I, I don't know. I think it was That's just good, so eh? overwhelming. And I, I was like, I don't understand how I... I was like, oh, I'm going to participate in human experiences yeah. and uh, overcome my social anxiety and you know do the things that people do. And... I don't know if it was like hypnotic or <laughs> boring. I couldn't really. <laughs> Is it boring? Or I don't know. Was it boring? The Kim K video was boring. It's like. Wait, there's a Kim K video? What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. I fell asleep. I think. Get up on that mic. I, I don't know how it happened, but it was the loudest thing I've ever been a part of. And it felt like I, like I described it like an alien abduction because he's just like hovering over people. And they're, it's like the scene from Independence Day where yeah. all the people are waiting for the aliens and, and then it explodes everybody. But it's, but I don't know. 
somebody was like, no, those people are all faking it. And I was like, no, they can't be. They seemed so into it. Like, Oh, I've only seen like, it from when Kim Kardashian was on Snapchat not that long ago before she was like tied up and... You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we can't see. I mean, yeah. What is know. that a YouTube thing where that girl got kidnapped? That thing, like the first viral Kim spoof. Kim. No, the first viral spoof. It was something girl. Uh, Do you know what? what? What's this? There was like this. Anyway, I don't. It was like lonely girl. Lonely girl. Do you remember lonely girl 19 or something? And then it would be. It was like people thought this girl was. Never mind. Anyway, when you know. said Kim Kardashian tied up, I thought she was doing a Snapchat series where she was doing a Lonely Girl. But I remember she got oh, no, robbed. No. Yeah. yeah, she got robbed. And then I would only uh, now I want to know about Lonely Girl. I'm like, right? who's this Lonely Girl? But I would only see Kanye. Kanye is like we're like best friends, but I can call him Kanye, right? That's what other people call him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would only see bits and fragments of his concert from like via Kim Kardashian <laughs> Snapchat. So I would always like see him coming down, and then I, I I felt like I was backstage like following my my bay bay your bay yeah <laughs> follow y'all bay. Oh God. Maybe was she ever on the platform with him? Because that would be cool. No, but uh, maybe she was. You will never know because you fell asleep. I fell asleep. You fell asleep. Um, do you get social anxiety? Oh my God, I don't even understand. Yeah, no, Me too. I yeah. Well, I we're we both seem pretty neurotic but very self-aware of it and we're just i feel like we're both constantly trying to figure out how to overcome our own minds or our own selves or something but um yeah i and yeah horrible how do you deal with it because i just don't go out (laughs) you know and i want to get over it because i want to experience my life and i want to i like people a lot yeah um and i want to know what it's like to exist like other people and but um I think I, I like to sit down during concerts and like be in corner. I don't know. I just be in corners. I just want to be a part, but I want to be a part of it. I want to cut loose and stuff. But it's like a, I don't know. Can I tell you? I actually realized I, uh, I had the a moment of clarity, and I realized I don't want to socialize. I don't want to go out. I don't want. I don't want to do it because I my social anxiety is too much. And I thought, you know what? Let's just leave it to. This podcast. I'm going to do this podcast once a week. That's my opportunity to socialize. You and I can have a sit down chat for about an hour and a half. That's great. I don't want to go to parties. I want to stay home, hibernate, watch movies, and just be left alone. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't know if I want to deal with all this stress. Yeah, I do think that there was like a part of me. I've been, I've worked. I I worked since I was like very young. I didn't really have a college experience because I was constantly working and going to classes and acting. No, I did no. Just, I'm still excited. I know. I was, I was very excited back. And you're like, no. And I'm like, Ugh, I'm not deflated. But I want to know about all your work. Oh, well, I mean, I guess done. up until very recently, I just busted my ass my entire life. And I felt like I missed out on a youth and like participating in those sorts of things. And I am coming around to the idea like, no, I think those people like were confused. Like, you know, they thought that was living. And then like they eventually come to where we already are. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I did this thing recently and it's very embarrassing, but I liked that it happened. I went to... um like a music festival, but it was like a really disorganized one. It was, I think it was supposed to take place on a beach originally, but then they had to change the venue and it was like in a, a medical center parking lot. <laughs> beach goth? It was beach goth. Yeah. Oh my God. I heard that there was like so many complaints about this. It was horrible. I paid. So I was like, all the, there were all these bands that I had been listening to that I was, that were all playing beach goth. And I was like, Oh my God, here's my chance. So I was in Texas, but I bought a plane ticket and I bought VIP, a VIP pass. I was like, this will be a way I can enjoy a music festival if I'm not like getting pushed around and stuff. You went by yourself? 
No, I had a friend come with me, but I, but it was mostly for me, yeah. and I really and it was like one of the most nightmarish, comically nightmarish uh, scenarios. It was like all my worst nightmares. Come, the oh, VIP no. section was like very very tiny and only for one stage, and so most of the bands that I wanted to see were actually indoors, but <laughs> the places were not venues. They're not like fire coated venues so like the entrance and the exit were the same door oh and it was God. like overcrowded i couldn't get to see half the bands that i wanted to see there was a point where we were all stuck inside this building and people were trying to push in and go go in and come out but it was at such a uh, like a standstill oh that if like a fire cracker went off in the middle of it we'd have all died and yeah. i i was just standing there like not being able to move being like well i'm ready to die yeah <laughs> and i will laugh because i put myself in this situation it was so awful. There was like one point where I like, so there's this band I really wanted to see. And it was actually kind of the band that I flew in to see, which what was band? Tomorrow's Tulips. It was just like this two guys, they just shred on guitars. It's like very trippy. Are like cute? Rock. So cute. Like Tall? Bl- they're like skinny blonde guys that I, I don't really know anything about them, but they're cool and I like them. And so they told, they were like, you can't get in here. Nobody else is allowed in. And I had, a, I paid extra. It was yeah. so upset. I, I like went to this back area that they put sand on the ground to make it feel like the beach. And it was just so, I just started bawling, like sobbing, weeping, being like, I can't believe I'm so stupid. This is like my nightmare. And of course I think it's funny, but I'm also like really embarrassed that I thought I was going to live my youth yeah. and I was going to get it back. But then at the last second, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try again. And I went and he was like, you can't get in. I was like, but I'm VIP. And he goes, all right, you can go in, but you may not like it. Cause it was so crowded. Oh it was God. so funny. But I walked in right into the lot, like when they did the, like their main song and I liked it and it was good. But then at, there was like a point, <laughs> it was just so awful. God and Oh, it. I saw the violent femmes and <laughs> I, there was no VIP section for that either. So I like, I just paid like an extra $150 to just get shoved and be more upset about it. <laughs> but <laughs> I realized when I saw the violent films and people were kept shoving and I was oh on like God. an incline with all these people and all these people were shoving and every once in a while I'd be like, we're on an incline. <laughs> and, then, and then I would cover up my mouth and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm a mom. And then I'd be like, calm down, calm down. And then I'd be like, stop pushing. And then I'd cover my mouth again and I was like, and I'm just like crying because I'm just a mom. I'm a mom. I don't like any of this stuff. And I'm, yeah. I'm like chiding people. I'm chiding like grown men. And I'm like, we're women. Stop shoving. <laughs> and, uh, but it was good. It was like one of those moments where I was like, well, I didn't really miss out on probably much. I think I, I came to that conclusion when I made eye contact with a man, right? As he, as vomit and blood shot out of his nose. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, and I saw, I, we looked deep into each other and I was like, cool. Like, I'm glad I had, I'm glad I got to see that. And there, <laughs> who is that guy? I don't know. And they were just like pulling these like passed out girls out of the venue, like just like teen girls that like had taken too many drugs. Oh they were just God. getting dragged out. And then the second day it rained, which was amazing. It was just, it was pretty much my nightmare, but I loved it. Like now, obviously, it's very now funny. it's a story. It's, it's a, a good story. story. And, like my nightmare. But then you learn like, yeah, maybe we just stay at home. I gotta just say, all I want to do is just watch like old episodes of Dinner for Five. Have you ever seen that? John Favreau's old show on IFC. No, I think I've been talking about this way too much with people, and everybody's like, "I've not seen that show. I don't know what you're talking about, but I won't stop." Um, <laughs> and just like watch old movies from the seventies. I just watch Girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that movie? Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong. I think I don't mm. know if I've <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. Girlfriends. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've given up because I'm. I have this weird pack with myself where I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying. I'm not trying not to date or have sex or drink. I heard. I listened to your Aya episode. Oh, I just I, worked with her. Oh, you did on what? Um, we just did a movie in Austin together, and 
I was like, oh, I love Aya. Let me hear this one. To And it put me so much ease because I was like, I'm so nervous about doing the podcast. Oh, my goodness. Wait, did, she, did you tell her you're going to do the show? No, because I didn't. I, I just listened to hers last night and oh. I didn't know that she had done one. You so. guys don't text? You don't text her and go, hey, girl, what's up? I texted her a picture I took of her yesterday and did? um, she didn't respond. She and, didn't respond? Yeah. Aya? Jesus. Yeah, let's see. Nope, Check. still hasn't Nothing? responded. Nothing from Aya. All right. <laughs> um, do you, uh, wait, what did you work on with her? Um, we just did like an indie movie. I want to know all that. Yeah. And I was. What's we, this indie movie? Um, it was called Fucking People. Fucking People? Fucking People. And I play, I play a, a character that might be a lot like you. <laughs> Me? <laughs> that like, like it, trying to find love, but all these people fucking suck, you know? Oh yeah. I, Cause I used to be the other person you could have been referring to, which is a person who fucks a lot of people. And now. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was. It was, I fuck like lots of guys and then I fall in love with a married man and then that's the. Oh my God. And it's like a whole. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. Com. It sounds like a romp. It's um, a rom-com, itty. Oh, man. Yeah. I, oof. I remember one time. Oh, God, I don't even want to go there. But I, So, yes, yeah, you so are I'm, not, you're, t- you're celibate. Or I'm, you're taking a vow I'm, of. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm taking a break. I'm staying at home. But part of me feels like, are you really doing, saying what you, you know, I'm trying to pretend I'm doing like internal work and I'm learning to be a whole person and I'm doing a. I'm taking. Uh, I'm, I'm recalibrating, but really, what I think I'm doing is just like hiding, terrified, <laughs> hiding, uh, giving up, um, <laughs> just uh, eating too much at home. Mm. Uh, no, 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 no! Don't no, say no. that. I know I'm not. You're I right. watched your short, and my I laughed out loud you, when you, you when uh, you measured your leg. Oh my <laughs> I was like, god! I was like, just ridiculous. I was like, well, yes, we've we've all been there, but it's so ridiculous that women are put through that. However, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that you would ever think there I, was a, a, an ideal measurement for your life. You know what I mean? Oh, that's yeah. I made sure to include that because I used to care more about the size of my thighs. Yeah. I used to like define myself with the size of my thighs. I'm like, <laughs> I can't go in public. But now, yeah, you know, with yeah, age. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. With age, I, I calm down and it's fine. You just wear different clothes and uh, and <laughs> oh, uh, it's all good. I'm not, I don't want people to think I've uh, I've gained a thousand pounds. Mm. I look great. I, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all over the, you're tiny. <laughs> you're like five five and like just like a fit. Well, in my I'm pocket. like shorter than you for you're sure. Short and you're tiny and you're perfect and you look all cute in your jeans and. Oh, both. thanks. And I don't wear jeans normally because I have thigh problems. Like you I, have I, thigh problems. Well, like I um when I was a kid, I thought I was I had I thought it was fat. I thought it was huge, and I genuinely thought that. And I know that sounds crazy. And I remember telling people I was fat, and people would be like, "No, you're not." And I thought they were lying to me. And then I smoked weed when I was sixteen, and I was like, "Wait, I'm not." Fat. This is like my mom's. Pro- like my mom had just like put all of her stuff on me. Oh yeah. And like every and I was just in a household where she was constantly like starving herself. And one time my aunt was like, "You have cellulite," and she was like a larger woman. And so I was like, "Oh well, I mean, she must know." <laughs> like Wait, I don't. Your aunt said that to you. I was in fifth grade, and she was like, "Ew, you have cellulite." Oh my god. So then that be- it was on my thighs. So like I became just convinced I was like really fat and inappropriately sized, and. Yeah, so I just I didn't like wearing jeans because I didn't like the way that my thighs looked. Like I, you know, I I didn't really have a. I guess I didn't think I had a thigh gap, but I think I'm. Let me look. Let me see what's going. I don't think I do now. I've gained. <laughs> I've gained a lot of weight. I lost so much great. weight this summer because I was so sad. But I've you been look, gaining it back. Listen, I'm whatever. A healthy lady, you look beautiful. Thank you. I feel good. I, you should. I feel the, good too. Yeah, we both feel good. Let's just put it out there. All the women, we both feel good. Just because I'm saying I'm at home eating a lot, uh, talking about everything, we're all it's fine. Yeah, no, I feel I feel really. <laughs> oh my god, the I've mad like, mad women right here. <laughs> no, but I think it's important to talk about like I don't know. We all have these. 
I had like an acute level of self-loathing that I'm overcoming and I think I'm in the best place that I've ever been in my life and I really like being healthy and not wanting to, you know, like kill myself every time I look in the mirror or something. You know what I mean? God, I do. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's so comical because like we look fine. Like by everybody else's standards, like we're insane people. And so... Well, that's the only reason I included that measuring the thighs because I wanted to just give a little bit of like just to <laughs> just to have like a nod to that aspect of a woman where it's like oh my god like oh, you know I was <laughs> I'm a, you know obsessed about body stuff and uh it's it's weird like uh I mean there's a lot of stuff you just told me that I want to talk about but uh I noticed that uh oh my god you would never get this on Mark Maron's podcast <laughs> <laughs> the part where they're talking about thigh gaps but uh there's a uh, I, I was thinking about how, like, okay, I, so you're wearing fitted jeans. You're wearing very right. fitted I jeans. Right. I only have one pair of fitted jeans. Oh, really? Because I don't like myself in pants, but I'm getting – I bought another pair of pants recently, and I was like, cool, I will start doing this. I just, like, yeah. Well, I <laughs> – I don't know what I'm trying to No, what I'm saying is the fact is that, like, I get so hard on myself if I can't fit into my jeans, and I have to remember uh, – Oh, wait, but your jeans are already excruciatingly Super tight. tight. <laughs> so the minute you gain like four, like if a, a fourth of a pound or something, you will feel bigger in your pants. And uh, it's just because you're already wearing very tight jeans. So <laughs> fucking relax and stop being so mean to yourself. Um, I once had a girl, a girlfriend of an ex-boyfriend. Oh, no. Hold on. My ex-boyfriend's brother's girlfriend, doesn't really matter, some girl came up to me and thought she was doing me a favor and told me, she goes, Alexi, you shouldn't wear skirts. You should wear, you should only wear pants. And here's why. Because your calves are big and it gives the impression that your thighs are bigger than they actually are. So when you wear jeans, people can't see how, people can get, get a gauge on the fact that you're, I don't know, something about how like I look she, better She like broken jeans. it down. She broke it like- down and she's not wrong. She is not wrong. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> she's oh, not no. wrong. So I'm like, yeah, 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 don't wear, don't wear skirts. So I have like this weird. Anyway, whatever. We're women. The weird stories we tell ourselves, the things we put our importance, the uh, you know, importance on. But uh, listen, Cut let's it. talk. Let's talk about accomplishments and like career stuff oh, and, sure. and our brains. You know what our I mean? Our brains, yeah. Um, but you're working on this movie with Aya, yeah, and it's called Fucking People. I mean, that's what it is called now. I'll see what happens when you know a distributor gets a hold of it. Was that in Texas? Were you it, shooting? Yeah, it was in. We shot in Austin. And you're from Texas, right? I'm from Texas. Yeah, I went where? to college in Austin. You, were you born moved, where? I was born in San Antonio, and I moved around a lot. And so when people are like, "Where are you from?" and then I have to go through, "Well, I was born in San Antonio," but I try and tell people that I'm from Austin because it makes it easier. But then people start asking more specific questions about Austin. I'm like, "I don't know. I just went to college in Austin." Yeah, I actually am not good when people ask me any questions like that. Like that, I'm. I get that. Pe- I have a thing about questions like that. Uh-oh. I just get in my head. I'm like, what do you need the information for? Like, oh! <laughs> I get very like, par- I'm just like, well, yeah, no. Okay. Well, I was born and I get that people can like start conversations based on those sorts of things. But like, I'm always, I-, I feel like I just want to jump into a conversation and be like, <laughs> yeah, this is how much I hate myself. You want to talk about that? <laughs> do you really? You're saying that a lot. I mean, oh why? yeah, yeah. No, I are do. You, are, yeah, you on, are you on antidepressants or anything? No. Or anti-anxiety? No, I don't really like that kind of stuff and I never have. And yeah. I'm, I react very like volatilely to it. Recently, I had... My friend gave, I was like, I, I was, I almost had like a nervous breakdown this summer. I directed, I wrote and directed a movie recently and like I've been going through a lot this summer and I think 2016 for everybody has been just garbage. 
And why, yeah, why is oh, oh, God, we have to talk about all of that? What's the name of the movie? You um, wrote and directed a movie. I wrote, wrote and directed a movie. Is called. It's going to be called Mr. Roosevelt now. Mr. Roosevelt. Okay, well, it's good. good. It's comedy. What but, were you going to say? The 2016 was garbage. You oh, it was 2016 is garbage, and I was like, kind of having a lot of meltdowns. I was like, I was like, I I knew I was like, I'm very close to a nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, and a friend gave me some clonopin, and I I have taken Xanax before, and like it just puts me to sleep, or and then I'm really agitated. Did you take one at the Kanye West concert? No. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to, you know, piece it all together. It was like the same uh, month. But uh, then I took, so I ended up taking Clonopin because I had a friend being like, no, no, Clonopin's so different than Xanax. He's like, you'll really love it. It'll really. I took Clonopin and like had like, I, I melted down so much. And I was staying at a friend's apartment that I almost wanted to break things. And I was just screaming and crying and like sending angry text messages to people that I knew. And I was like, <laughs> on a Klonopin Klon- or Klonopin. I don't know. Oh, my Klonopin. God. I have no idea how to say it. I got one one time when I was like a teenager coming down from speed and somebody said, take this pill. It'll make you feel better. And then I got I was like, oh, I already took speed. I don't I'm going to be <laughs> try to be responsible here. This seems crazy. I don't want to be out of control. And I did not take the Klonopin or however. You pr- it, yeah. pronounce it, but you took it. It's supposed to mellow you out. Like- oh, it made me insane. I so wow. and I've taken other things before. Nothing has the reaction. I don't think my stuff is a brain chemical. I think it's like a, a um, I think like had a pretty bad childhood, and I think it's just like a like an emotional thing. I yeah. think my brain's kind of like twisted around and I don't think pills are going to help it. I think it's going to take like therapy and like reorienting myself to like be normal. Well, what? So the Klonopin didn't work out. No. That was adverse effect. Did you break stuff? No, I didn't, but I did like send, I wonder what that is. I did like reach out to a couple people that I was kind of having like problems with and like said incendiary sort of things and then the next day I was like, I don't, I'm past all this. I don't know why I like opened this back. It was just like a stupid. Oh my god, I go through that shit all the time. Where I'll just be. I'll have like a weird Sunday. Like last last <laughs> just, Sunday, I'll have a, a weird. It's Sunday. like cloudy outside. It's cloudy, and I'm just like, where's the warmth and the kindness in the world? Why does everybody <laughs> hate me? And I'll just be like, I really wanted to connect when I was talking to that person at that party. Why wouldn't they open up and connect with me? All I wanted to do is be nice and be friends, and everybody's just so closed off. And I'm I'm trying my hardest. Like that was me last Sunday. Like Aww. having a weird meltdown. I take. Propranolol. Have you ever taken a beta blocker? Oh, yeah, yeah. I do take beta blockers. And, you know, it doesn't help day to day. But I did. I, I started taking beta blockers for, like, a auditions. Per- auditions. Yeah. And I, I will say it did help me with one thing. Four years ago, I saw a woman get hit by a car. Oh, my God. And I had, like, all these. I, I had PT. Like, I had, like, like nightmares about it. And I would wake up thinking about it. And the image was in my head all the time. And then I started taking beta blockers for auditions. And then I noticed that the flashbacks kind of went away and when i looked into beta blockers they actually do like they've done studies with people that have ptsd and it keeps you from reliving those moments really and it actually does help people with flashbacks and so it did help me it helped me move past that situation so i recently got another prescription of it and i take them because i'm like well the least it'll do it'll keep me from like playing repetitive thoughts which i have like a really i had i used to have a really worse time with like uh recursive sort of like thoughts and memories and words that I say would just like echo in my brain and I would say things to people at like a party and if it came out slightly wrong I would beat myself up for days from it and so like that kind of stuff is like a problem I deal with beta blockers help you with you beating yourself up I think it helps 
it helps you maybe just not play those things out over and over again. I mean, I, yeah. ha- I don't have that problem anymore, and I don't know if it's – I don't have it as acutely. I, I don't know if it's the beta blockers that did it. I mean, I've done, done so much, like, self-help, and like, I, I think meditation's helped a lot. Like, yeah. I can interrupt those uh, patterns, like, pretty quickly. Oh, God, I, like, yeah. let things go more. But I do think beta blockers have helped, and it's cool because there's absolutely no side effects outside of that. Although yeah. sometimes you have weird dreams. Do you have weird dreams on them? I've been having – well, lately – so I take them for auditions also, but then – I've been taking them for day-to-day life because I feel like I just need it. Because lately, I don't know about you, and going back to, I want to do want to talk about 2016 being like a the clusterfuck. Garbage year. <laughs> but I mean, you... Uh, a garbage year that I'm sure we'll all look back on and be like, oh, I'm so glad we broke through well, to I, the next level of consciousness and we take the planet Earth to may, 5D consciousness. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> I, because I have been, I do wake up. I don't know if you wake up like this where I, I, I wake up just like... <gasps> I just like panic stricken and I mean, they're panic stricken and I hook into thoughts that I was stressed out over the day before. Like, does, does this person hate me? Oh my God, I've got here. Here's the part of the, I wake up, I kind of, uh, you know, everything's fine for a moment and then it grabs and, you. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, now I'm fully awake. Now I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to hook into all the things I was spiraling over the day before, the uh, who might not like me or what I need to be stressed about or things that I'm just uh, obsessing over and a feeling of like my entire body kind of feeling panicked. There's, so there are two different things. There's like the mind spiraling and the, the overall physical feeling of like panic and being locked up. So then I, I so I stopped just taking propranolol for auditions. And then I, I started taking it like a, on a daily basis where if I'm going to go and be in a social situation, I go, fuck, maybe this will take the edge off because I'm trying not to drink. Does it help? I feel like it does. It does make me a bit sleepy. I don't know. And I have been having weird dreams, like really weird, really weird dreams. Like, yeah, did I have those... sex with my dad? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not, I'm not drinking for two months. Wait, or, or having sex. Did you have sex with your dad? Did I have sex with my dad? Did I have sex with your dad? Um, no, I, Aristotle? Please, okay. if you did, could you tell me where to find him? I haven't <laughs> talked to him in 20 years. I haven't talked to my dad in... Uh, I wish that long. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> We're all like laughing. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> I just directed a moment, by the that way. That was amazing. <laughs> and the orchestra can start again. <laughs> Oh my god! I wish you were in my life all the time. Yeah, no, I was crippling anxiety, and uh, no, but the, yes. The, so the beta blockers have been helping. I have been feeling a little bit sleepy, uh, so I won't buy that ticket to the Kanye West concert. And that's the final Kanye West callback I will make. By the um, way, that gave me terrifying dreams for days. Oh, did I had it? I had just like the weirdest. Like I think it Kanye up, dreams. They were just like like fucking miasma of like human like it kicked up some dark stuff i don't know it was crazy yeah i don't know if it was just like my own like it could just be my stuff but it like just deeply disturbed me oh man like in a cool way i was like oh this is cool that i'm having these like very weirdly violent tribal type of dreams because of the kanye concert yeah middle earth it was like middle earth maybe alien like i i mean aliens in a a real way like kind of like some other place in time that I don't know and isn't in history. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> God, they seem so happy. Kim and Kanye. Yeah, living this weird tribal. Is Drake and tribal? Rihanna real? Do you think <laughs> what? Do you think Drake and Rihanna is real? Real the real deal? Let's check in with Aristotle. Aristotle, 
I really hope it's true love because I can't do another Jay Z Beyonce situation. I can't handle that stuff. Bums me out. It bums me out too. Why does Why does it bum you out? I just hate this like kind of commercial aspect of a relationship, or like like going into these kind of like kind of Game of Thrones type agreements. To yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they have to their empire. I'm just like fucking hate it. I want people to love each other. I'm like yeah. I well, want yeah. <laughs> I also feel like oh my god, if they can't make it work, who can? Well. Yeah. Well, then I also think like, okay, so I just think about how fake everything is and how upsetting. I really hate how fake everything is. is I just it like all want. Fake? I feel like most everything is pretty fake, and I just want authenticity and art and in music and yeah. like I hate things that are just like everything is just so manufactured in a way to get things from people, and I just hate it. I hate it, and I don't think it's the way that I don't think it needs to be that way. And I think everybody's like craving some kind of level of authenticity. Authenticity, and I really hope it's Drake and Rihanna. I mean, yeah, I because uh... I love Rihanna. Yeah. I think she's legit. I think she's the real deal. I think Drake is a little, you know, he may be a little manufactured in some sense, but maybe in a weird way has come into something real. Well, and I hope that they love each other. It's weird. He's very charming. I saw him on Chelsea lately and I thought, that guy seems very charming. He's super charming. He's super charming and handsome. And uh, I mean, here's what I think about that. So I saw bits of pieces on the internet of you know drake trying to kiss rihanna at that awards show when everybody was like oh my goodness that's uh i've got a big laugh from aristotle over there that was great <laughs> but i was like oh wow is this happening are they dating what's going on but then i hear and i'm not really reading perez hilton and all that kind of bullshit but i'm i don't know where my facts are coming from maybe in my dreams maybe in my weird dreams when i'm not having sex with my dad in my dreams i get weird fragments of like you know paparazzi info about drake and rihanna but like i I feel like I heard that he has parties and girls over at his house all the time. God damn it, Drake. And I mean, but can you blame I mean, if you were Drake, wouldn't you be doing the same thing? No. Here. And then and then it's not all about the pussy. And and I hope it's not. And then and then Rihanna <laughs> and then Rihanna has that song. This is me cobbling together any kind of like semblance of uh what they may or may not have with one another, but then she has that song where it just makes it seem like she's good on her own. You know, she 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 had sex Aww. with a guy. This is what I take away from this rap song. This is me. Oh, my God. I'm humiliated. She seems like she's not looking for anything. She doesn't need a man in her life. She's having sex because she wants to, but her focus is on herself. I love it. And then it seems like Drake's just fucking with a bunch of, a bunch of hot puss. So... Are they together? Can people that famous who have so many have infinite options be in a monogamous relationship? I just think, yeah, you can if you're like a grown up or like if you can like put your stupid ego aside. I just I fucking like like kind of like going to the music festival thing and think I was missing out on something. And I'm very quickly like that was like, you know, that's like me being like, I need to be single to go to see what it's like to have sex with a bunch of people. And then eventually you're like, wait, but this is horrible. I yeah. just want to have sex with one person. Yes. So it's like that. Like, I think that they if they grew up. Yeah. And it sounds like Rihanna's got it together. Yeah. It sounds like Drake is a little boy as male musicians well, tend to be. Don't take my word for it. I'm sure. No, I fucking hate him. <laughs> Uh, no. no, he hosted SNL when I was on it, and she, he he <gasps> he showed up there really ready to fuck one of us, and it was my favorite thing. He showed up ready to fuck one of you guys, and you did not fuck Drake. I had to get out of my here's, show. Here's the great thing about Drake is he is a good boy, and yeah. like he. He, he, I think he went one by one around all the women and found out if we all had boyfriends. And I was like, oh, I have a boyfriend. And so he like quickly moved on. And I, I was like, I love him even more. But he did. It was a. He found. I'm not gonna say anything. But he, you know, and never mind. Never. He said found too much. somebody on SNL and had sex with somebody on Shut SNL. Up. <laughs> I can't. Exclusive. 
I, usually I make a joke and I go exclusive. No, no, no. We but might have never to cut an, that out. But it's never an exclusive. But this is like an exclusive. It is. It is an exclusive. <laughs> Listen, I don't even know what you're talking about. You said nothing about nobody. We're I said nothing about, about nobody. But I will say that I have seen. He oh, no. slept with Kyle Mooney. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. He, no. He God fucked damn. Kyle I feel Mooney. Like I just said way too much. <laughs> he broke Kyle's heart. Shit. Oh, Dave McCary and Drake oh, no. had sex. Um, listen, hold on. I mean, but there's so many. It could have. It could, it's anybody because it. There are a lot, could, a lot of, of people, people that work there, and You're, I will say that's all I'll say is there are a lot of pe- women that work at SNL, not yeah. just people that you see on us. But he was, wait, he was, and then he like I think he broke that person's heart for Rihanna. It was like a whole thing. But wait a minute, hold on. I don't a second. know. Wait, it's he so was. Dumb. Wait, hold on. He yeah. was visiting. Well, he was Rihanna. No, no, no. Oh. He was hosting the show. I don't know who, he what was his hosting love life was. Oh, I thought you said he was visiting Rihanna no, 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 and no. she was hosting. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. I wish Rihanna hosted SNL. Oh, my God. This changed. Okay, so he hosted the show. Did he do both? He hosted and he was the uh, musical guest? I what a guy. I think so. I don't, I don't know if he also was a musical guest, but I think he was. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could have sex with Drake. I feel like, not that you're asking or anybody who's asking. Seen, well, I saw he, he sends dick pics. He does? Does he yeah. have a big private? Huh? Don't make me have to cut all of this shit. This is too good. Yeah, I know. He sends, he sends dick pics. So I've seen his dick. Is it big? It's like... Can I Google it? I think you can because I think he does this. So girls have been like, Dick sent me a picture of his dick. Is it big? Jake. I like to... I like to describe I just it like golfed into the mic. I'm like, <laughs> I like to describe it as a palm tree. What? Because it's like, you know, like it was so long and and thin that the phone didn't know how to orient it. So like, he sent it, but then like you would show it this way, and then the, it would the phone would flip it around because it was like. Are you telling me Drake has a long thin? Is this what this podcast has come like, to? <laughs> And it was like it had like it looked like a palm tree because there was like there was like gradation. There were like rings on it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and who knows? My this person might have not had. God damn! You might have to cut all this out. I'm getting so much trouble. Oh my god! Don't or say not. Anything. Nobody would listen. Don't say I, I'm nobody's only, listening to my podcast. But don't I'm don't also, talk about the person. And you're not. You I'm haven't. Not, but I'm afraid it's Kyle Mooney. <laughs> Kyle Fuck, Mooney. Stop it! He's gonna be so <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> But I, you can't not like talk about the fact that you've seen a picture of a supposed picture of Drake's dick. He could like he could have like you know like uh, presidents have like fake versions themselves like like when they go travel so that if they ever get assassinated like the fake one gets assassinated. Is that a thing or is that just in movies? Where you have like a ringer? Look this up. Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> so it could have been a Drake dick ringer. Like it could have been something that looked oh. like maybe he's like sending him, but it's not really because. I, oh. Because when that girl, there was another woman who like leaked his pictures online, and I was like looking at them, being like, "Is that the dick I saw?" <laughs> you know what's interesting though, but I have heard that uh, if let's say you're hanging out with a celebrity with a, with a famous person, uh, the famous person will test their entourage by giving little bits of like information to certain people in the entourage, and then if that information leaks, the celebrity knows who leaked the information right. who to cut out of the God, circle this is all so so drake might be doing that with the dick pics he sends he's if he sees a leaked uh photo oh. of one dick on the internet then he knows that that bitch goes, ain't oh, trustworthy that, yeah totally well <laughs> i think my uh my my uh, audience got what they wanted with this, uh, with this pod <laughs> wait can we get okay we're gonna take a moment from drake dick pics which is I mean, where do we go from here? But I don't know. We've, I we've know. traversed a lot of territory, and I just gloss over a lot of things. I'm like, <laughs> well, I want to know. But so you, okay? So I do want to talk about SNL, Master <sighs> of None. You write, writing and directing your own movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Are you under a vent? I am, but it's okay. Is it too cold? You know what? I have a jacket. 
You Look, do? I have a simple solution. We can do it. Do you want to move here and I'll move here? Because no. I feel like I, I'm looking. I can see um, Aristotle peripherally because I usually sit here when I do the interviews. Okay. Oh, you can do it on this mic because this mic's live, right? Oh, my God. Oh, we're moving. Oh, this is great. <laughs> Field trip. The girls got cold. Yeah. I got so. It might not actually be better here. Hmm. Well, I'll move if I can't. This could change toasty. Because. <clears throat> are, we, are we live? Yeah, this could change everything because I'm not. I'm, I usually sit here when I do interviews, oh. so I can't, so I don't look at Aristotle. Right. But I wanted to mix it up because I felt like I got stagnant doing interviews in this seat. Oh. Oh, hey, girl. Hey. Oh, it's like we're starting over. Oh, I can oh. see him laughing at me. This is great. Yeah. And I like it. I couldn't handle it just now. I was like, oh, like, like while I've been doing this interview, I've been like, oh, no, I can see Aristotle. I feel self-conscious. <laughs> How am I going to um, Yeah, we can talk about whatever you want, I guess. <laughs> no, okay, <laughs> just <thanks. kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anything you want. I'm very honest. <laughs> I don't like uh, hiding things. I like to be really, I don't, one thing I don't, maybe this is another thing I don't like about podcasts is like everybody seems to have like their perfect like soundbite sort of version of events. And Not I, me. yeah, I just, I'm, I can, I'm I can hear authentic, like inauthenticity, inauthenticity in things. And I just, but I, I don't, sometimes I don't think people can handle how like just, I'm very frank and very honest and I'll like, I'll meet people and just be like, ah, my dad yeah. kidnapped me when I was five. I'm like, I'm, you know, like I, I'll like just like pour things out. I yeah. don't know why I'm like that, but I do find the people that stick around in my life are usually the, the ones that can handle it. And yeah. then they're like the coolest people. So, well, that's why, um, that's why <clears throat> I ended up going to, par- that's why I went to this party this weekend and I felt so alone at this party because I felt like, uh, I know what party you were at because my friend was at that party and I heard that party was just like. A bunch of awkward people. Oh my god! Thank you. Oh my god! This was will yeah. have to be cut. Can I just tell you? Or you know, it was what, like awkward bleep. people, and then a lot of like a lot of fakey sort of stuff, and like John Mayer was there. I heard John Mayer was there. I was like, oh my god, maybe I'll stick around. I was sober. I was like, wait, actually, I, can I leave this in? But then bleep know. certain bits of it. Yeah. Like I'll bleep. Sure, whatever. Okay. I don't care. Um, yeah. Thank you. You. Oh my god. Wait. Was he wearing a costume? Here's what I felt from that party when you're talking about like. Uh, I need authenticity too. So I went to this thing and I'm not drinking. And I was like, why do I, is it because I'm not drinking? Am I projecting these things on these people? Because what I noticed was I felt like everybody was there and to the eye, to the naked eye, we're at a party, people are smiling, but I felt no joy. And it felt very like, I'm not having fun at this thing. This is not fun. Is this just me? Are these people having fun? Why do I feel like I can't? Like I tried to have a conversation with one. I was being nice and I could feel like nobody was open or receptive. (laughs) And I thought, okay, like I can't expect people to want to be open. But it like broke my heart and made me feel so empty. What's the point of going out? Maybe this is why we have social anxiety. Not because there's anything wrong with us. I'm too raw. No, I just the people fucking suck. I don't know. They're yeah, like, <laughs> thank you. That's why I only want to talk to people that I want to talk to yeah, on this podcast. I, I just think that people, I don't understand it because I, there's nothing in me that wants to fake anything ever. Yeah. I am not out. I got into some weird habits like over maybe last year where I, I found myself trying to impress people and I was, and then I would go home being so disgusted with myself being like, that wasn't you. Why are you doing that? And Do you I had drink? To, um, I don't really drink. Okay. Um, but I, uh, but when I drink, I drink like it's like takes two drinks and I'm out. Yeah, and well, you're tiny. You're like uh, you're five five and uh, yeah. And I bl- I black out, which is that's really fun. People love that though. People love that at parties. They do. They do but well, I mean, but I'm I black joking. out in a way that's like it's terrifying to not know what you said or you did. I'm joking. I was joking. No, that's but not like fun. it's not. It's probably why I don't drink because I'm like, well, I don't like that. But for them, for. <laughs> 
But the crazy thing is, is anytime I drink and blackout, I'm like afraid that like I did something terrible or got angry or like I killed someone and yeah. everybody's just like, you just like went around and said how much you loved everybody. And I was oh, like, that's, that's nice. so nice. But I wish I could be awake while I felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's uh I like drinking so I can alleviate my social anxiety at these party things. But then I wanted to see if I can walk through it and then uh, without the drinks, without the drinks. And it was just weird. It wasn't it wasn't fun. And the only good thing about not drinking is you don't wake up the next day going, what did I say to people? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> am I even am I humiliated? But but I had a whole weird spiral. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling about this. But uh, my I had a, a, a non hangover spiral. It's just me just being like, why are people so cold? Why, yeah. why won't they just connect? But uh, if, yeah. Well, I'm glad that um, I've been going through similar things my entire life. And I'm here to just say that there's nothing wrong with you. Thank you. That I think people suck. And I say that with love. And Why do they suck? <laughs> I think it's a wall thing. I do think people have walls up and they're all trying to impress each other. And I, I don't know what it is. But to me, it just seems very obvious not to be that way. Like, what are you doing? But people do they like create these personas probably to protect themselves who they really are that maybe got rejected when they were younger and so now they're yeah. like grown up and then they think they have to do all these things and i really my least favorite part of the industry is like the schmoozing part and i think yeah. a lot of people feel that way but but people feel that way but then do it and i'm like i don't know it's just so dumb and it's just so not who i am or why i'm doing any of this yeah um so i i think it's natural to feel well anxious around that sort of environment what's funny because the girl whose party was i love her i have nothing but love for her she's great and but and i remember uh but it was just the overall vibe and then i said to my friend that i went with uh and he was totally stoned and drinking whatever it's you know uh but i was like hey is everything okay am i am i okay is everything gonna be okay and he was like what are you talking about and i was like just tell me everything's gonna be okay he's like everything's gonna be okay and i went are these people having fun are they nice <laughs> and he went yes i think they're i think they're nice and these are actually good people because they don't need they're all so successful they don't need anything from anyone and mm. i went i went okay but then I, the next day i went what the fuck is that bullshit no what all about people, ego and they, yeah they all need validation they the, all need to be the center of attention and they're, they all, and they're still climbing yeah. and wanting more <laughs> wanting more you know what, what i just thought that was such a bogus answer like oh if you don't need anything well, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing if yeah. you don't need anything I think there are probably parties where people are like that and it's like your friends when yeah. you're around your friends and your friends don't need stuff out of you like because they just feel comfortable around yeah. you and they know that you accept them and love them and, and you feel grounded and cozy and but yeah this is not a grounded cozy oh i'm so happy your friend said that yeah and i that was the only thing you told me about the party explaining that john mayer was there oh yeah <laughs> and that he also overheard a producer oh my god cornering uh like a, a famous comedian kind of berating her for not remembering who he was and he was like it was really disgusting he he and i liked it i mean he's a good guy so he was like it was yeah. so gross and it was so entitled that this man was just like expected her to give him attention because he had produced some movie that she did some part in. Yeah. And, and then he was like getting mad at her for not remembering. And then she tried to like backpedal and be like really friendly. But then he was already like oh, his God. ego Nightmare. was already bruised. And... Yeah. Uh, uh, so what was your friend doing? And there? I heard that there oh. were we there were we there was oh, there's weed, weed cigarettes. There, there are, uh, that they're giving that there out. There are joints all over the place. Maybe everybody was just stoned and scared. It's stoned <laughs> and scared. I actually took one of the joints even though I don't smoke pot. And then when I got home. I thought, fuck it, I'm going to see what this is all about. And I was like, I took like three puffs and went, this is not for me. I just felt like fuzzy and bizarre. And uh, I'm going to give that uh, joint to my neighbors. But uh, how did SNL come to be for you? I know we're jumping all over the place. Oh, but... I wanted it. And then... I got it. I got it, girl. I got it. No, I 
I, it was really my dream and I wanted to be there and I knew that I like I was like oh I have I wanted wanted to be on SNL because I wanted to do like political comedy and like I love pop culture like satire and I, I just love all that stuff and um, I'm just very capable with all that and it's what, the way my mind works but I knew that the most direct way would be like oh I should just do I can do impressions so I will like focus on doing that and then when I get there then they'll like fold me in and it'll be a fine thing so I like did impression reels and like I sent in a tape and were you at UCB in LA yeah I was at UCB in LA um, and then I did that and then. And I got there and then I realized like, oh, nobody saw me as a, an intelligent person. I was literally hired to be the cute girl. And I was told that multiple times not to get too stressed out about writing too much because I was cute and Lauren Michaels liked cute girls. And at first I'd be like, oh, OK, cool. And then I walk away and be like, oh, wait a minute. But what about my brains? And like, wow. I wrote so much stuff that I'm actually, I look back on it now. Cause like at the time I was like, you're, you fucking suck. You're so terrible at this because everybody, nobody would laugh. And like, it just, my, my sense of humor didn't seem to like really click with people. And I like, just like getting two years, it's only been two years, but like two year perspective. I'm like, dude, my fucking ideas were really good. Uh, it's just such a backwards place and everybody's so terrified and um, well, it's just me- such a type of humor that I always like, oh, why don't they do things like this? Um, I'll be the person that does that. And then I realized like, first of all, everybody kept being like, this is a year you have to sit out because there were so many people. They're like, but by like I kept people would come up to me after table reads and be like, bring that back next year. Like, that'll be great for your second year. So I would write all these things. And, like, obviously, they weren't getting in the show because I was a first-year person. But people were, like, very – like, a lot of people were very nice. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. So I, I didn't what, go back. <laughs> but so what – how did that, like – where were you when, you when you got the job? And how did – I want to know, like, like yeah. take me through it. And, like, and what the first day there is like. And you came in with – it was, like, Beck Bennett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was weird because I thought I went in with like so many people, but I was the only girl. So it was like six guys and me. And you're in L.A. and you get the call. I was in L.A. I was actually it was actually I just remembered this the other day because I I've basically blocked out so much of that experience because it was I was like really sad about it all. And um, but I remember this the other day I was in (laughs) I was in Santa Monica in a callback, a studio callback for Dumb and Dumber 2 with the Farrelly brothers, which. That I loved, I love Dumb and Dumber, and I love There's Something About Mary is my favorite comedy movie, and I love the Farrelly Brothers, and I love Peter Farrelly as a writer, and it was just so fucking insane that I was like auditioning for Dumb and Dumber too with like these people, yeah. But like right before I went into that, and I had already met them once, but like right before I went into that audition, I got a call from Lauren Michaels, like oh my god. So and then I he told me I got SNL. And then I went into the audition and then I finished it. And then they were, they had known that I had been flown out to do it. And they're like, so what, what, like what happened? But I couldn't tell them. Why? Uh, because they, they were like, you can't tell anybody. It's like, they like to try and keep it really quiet. So it was like, it was such a weird, like confluence of like all my dreams and a, you know, this smart, cute, naive, girly, like, you know, my, my like dreams. I like moved to LA and just want to be in a Fairly Brothers movie. It was like, so it was really, really cool. And then, um, then I, you know, you get, you fly out you like move I guess and I'm with all these people and everybody the cast that's already there is so annoyed I think because they hired so many fucking people and it fucking sucks like it's not cool and it doesn't engender a lot of goodwill and everybody's so terrified for their jobs all the time so I just we're all going like the new guys are just like yeah we're (laughs) on SNL and everybody's just being very patient and just being like cool welcome very much Uh, and then the guys that I got hired with it was such a funny thing to see because I I saw it as an opportunity I was like oh there's seven of us if we just band together like we literally could do 
like we could just start our own, you know, because it's like so competitive. I was like, let's all be together. But they all like their egos all went through the roofs in such a comical way. Each person had their own version of it. And I'm sure I did. I did, too. But I tried my best to like keep it like I didn't I didn't want to like be stupid so i was always like undercutting everything good that happened by being like i know this place can suck so like anytime anything good happened i would just be like but it could get worse so i never even celebrated the good things so my whole beginning of snl when all the best things happened i was constantly throwing my experiences under the bus and then by the time it got really bad i was like man i should have really enjoyed when it was good yeah but anyway it was it was very weird (laughs) it was so weird uh, yeah, it was just a weird experience. Well, um, and all the guys were just like so competitive and like like it wasn't there was no sense of family. Like there was no yeah. like let's make this together. It was just like it's like everybody was like taking their own tests and like, you know, it was just Wow, I hear that. You hear that it's, it's very so like, dumb. and I was like and I knew that there's a better way for this and it doesn't have to be that way. And I could see I, I could just like see the long version of it and I'm like, you guys are all reacting to a a moment. Uh, that's so dumb that if you could just like broaden your point of view, like there are ways to overcome this and just like insulate yourself from all the fear. And, but, um, nobody wanted to do that with me. So I was also alone. It was so dumb. It was like the loneliest year of my life. Did you make any friends over there that you still talk to? I made uh, friends with interns. You did? (laughs) They're the only people, literally the only people that would talk to me. I'm on television. I, I have like my dream job. Drake is sending you dick Drake, pics. <laughs> yeah, I know. Drake, one of the, he was great. He talked to me. Like, so there were some, my favorite moments from that show are just seeing like the way that certain people handled their careers and how they interacted with people. And so, like, I remember those positive moments. Like, Drake was wonderful. Like, such a great guy. So nice. So generous. Um, I think it, for the most part, it's like pretty real. Um, Miley Cyrus was great. Kerry Washington was really great. Um, so the hosts were really lovely because they're in and out yeah, for the week. Yeah, and but then there were some hosts that were horrible, and you're like, oh, I don't want to be that. Like, I, it was just like a really good way of seeing like how success can like change people and affect people, and how right. when you're a successful person and like how being nice to people is actually very meaningful. I mean, I've heard, yeah, I've I've heard that uh, uh, from really grounded celebrity people. They say uh, they know, like, a really lovely celebrity knows that other people are going to be scared around them and insecure so it's kind of their job to maybe just make the other people person feel comfortable who might not feel enough or you know insecure and yeah or just like i don't know i will it was the simplest thing but like miley cyrus i think hosted the second episode and she was so cool and just so nice even if she didn't ever remember me ever again i just like really liked how professional and funny and like nice she was then she came back later in the season to do some cameo and I passed her in the hallway and she was like, Hey, how you doing? Noelle? And it meant so oh. much to me that she remembered me and like re- said, like was nice to me. I love her. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It just, and it was such a little thing and I was in such a dark place and like, um, like it was almost like, it was like, Oh yeah. One day, like I will, people can, there are people like the, one of the most famous people that's been in, you know, like right now, or I, I don't know how, how to quantify Miley Cyrus's fame, but she's she, Miley. Did, she's Miley, you know? And I just was like, that's, cool like she didn't have to do that it doesn't benefit her it doesn't hurt her it's just like yeah um so there's just like that kind of stuff so that's snl like it still does make me it makes me really sad oh god am i gonna cry i always cry it just makes me it was just like um 
People are just playing. Oh, you're you and, and you don't have to tell me no, anything. It's you don't fine. Have to tell me. I, I cry all the time too, though, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think that's also another reason why I I didn't cry there all the time. Like I actually just like kept like a really like I was pretty stoic and I I ate a lot of shit. But like I think because I didn't like process my emotions while they were happening, it was like the next two years of my life it just like came out. So I like have to like I'm a very emotional and like experience things as they happen. And How I, like, long were you there for? Only a year. Only a year. And yeah. uh, and. Oh my! But I mean, and people are horrible and mean. Like people on the internet, like uh, reviewers are so mean to, like, and maybe this is just because I saw the things. But like the things that they would write about me were so mean, and I was like, "Dude, you have no fucking idea what this place is like." But I also, when I got let go, like I didn't know that I was gonna get let go. Everybody was like, "It's like even people at the show were like, no, you're coming back. Don't worry.'" Like um, cast members or people who yeah work. like writers cast members everybody's like you're doing really well like because they could see like what I was doing behind the scenes I guess um, but uh, even when I got let go I was like this fucking hurts my ego and I completely am aware of this but like I knew I never needed the show and so and I knew that like I was capable of doing so much more and like I have so many ideas and actually being on the show I could like see how that would actually fuck up my career like and i had because i have so many things i want to do and create on my own and they snl gets like first look at everything that you like if you write a movie lauren michaels gets to decide if he gets it and if he doesn't want you doing it he can just sit on it for years and so there's just like that kind of level of like i don't know what that is it's like very old school hollywood and i like almost like a like being an indentured servant to like your comedy dad i don't know it was just really a lot of that kind of stuff. So anyway. Well, how did Master of None come up? I just auditioned. That, that happened. I mean, what was the time between the end of SNL and Master of None? Um, I you're think s- I got cast in, it was almost, um, it might have almost been like a whole season of SNL. A season of, so you were, and were you So just, it was like, I didn't, I found out like in July of 2014. That you were like Where I was let go. And then I got Master of None maybe like March of 2015? Yeah. And so in between, were you just auditioning at times? I was auditioning for the worst sitcoms and like the and most embarrassing things. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. You moved back to LA? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never like did not. I never moved completely out of LA because I knew the circumstances. I, I like got an apartment in New York, but I never gave up my apartment in LA because yeah. that would be folly <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> based on like a track record of like how they treat women. So, <laughs> well, how, well so <laughs> or I guess most, they, how they treat anybody because like they also do that to guys too. So, well, oh my God, did you see, did you see, um, don't think twice? No, I haven't seen it yet. Do you think you won't see it because it's too close to No, home? I would I would totally watch it. Um, what, from what you've heard about it, does it seem like, oh, this is like, no, I really, I'm completely like I'm not over it in a lot of ways just like I'm not over it and maybe I'm really bummed at the way that people that I continue to interact with with from the show how they look at me and treat me now yeah I've like I've run into some writers from the show and you know I'm they just never saw me as a smart and intelligent capable person and I I just take that for granted because I'm surrounded by wonderful people that think I'm intelligent and know my value. I, I don't know. They like, they know what's good about me and they know how hard I work and how like, they know how funny I can be. And so to, to have these people like see you in a certain way in such a fucking, it's so gross. And like in it, almost all my interactions with them, I, and I think by now, like it's been like two years and I think they would just be at least nice to me and they're not. And it like, I will, I will cry for days. Like, where where do you see these people? Like if they're in LA or I see them at a party or like yeah. I go to New York a lot and, um, it doesn't, it's not really, doesn't really matter. I did go in an audition for, uh, 
a show recently with a bunch of people from SNL, and I, I, I was like, I don't even want to go on audition because I don't need this, and I know, but I, and they could should probably have just like made me an offer if they want me like the type of part it was and stuff. Yeah. And they, the casting director somehow convinced me to come in and I did the audition and they made it seem like it was just like me and like a couple of people they're considering. It was like 40 people. Oh man. Was it a callback or just a first call? I, I don't know, but yeah. I just know. And then I. Were the producers in the room? There were producers in the room, but they were so rude to me and so dismissive. And it was all those guys again. And I got so at that point, like that was the first time where I think I did cry, but I was more mad at myself for putting myself in that situation again. Yeah. And I was like embarrassed that my people would do that to me again. I was like, these people don't respect me and they don't treat me like an equal. And I don't think any amount of success is ever going to convince them that I am a smart and intelligent and like maybe, maybe because I'm threatening to them. I don't know exactly well, here, what it is, but it's so, it was so, it was gross. Like I, the way that they treated me, I thought like one guy was on his phone ugh. and I know these people, like I've worked with these people. I just like, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, I'm it, so it, mad. I'll, I get, get so worked up, but like now at least I'm in a, pl a place where like would rather fight than like getting so wounded and like want to crawl under a rock. But this but, is so interesting because from an outsider's perspective, you know, and even me, like looking at you from a distance, I go, wow, she's, you know, Noelle really has it together. She's, you're working all the time. She's so beautiful. Like oh. you're, you're smart. You're funny. You wrote and directed your own movie. You're a go-getter. You're just nonstop. And it's so uh, inspiring and, and exciting, you know, looking. So, so, I mean, no, but, but, and it, it is, but to hear that you, you know, to talk to you right now and to hear how sensitive you are and, and how you feel so deeply about things, it's like. I think that's that's nice for the listeners to hear that because yeah, it makes you think you that so... I have my whole I have my shit together. And I was like, no, I'm crying every day. <laughs> like so... I'm rejected so many times in a week. Like it's <laughs> and so how do you get? I mean, how long do these? Because I can totally relate to what you're talking about, and it's so painful because it's like this internal suffering and feeling so deeply about these things, and and uh, and that's why again going back to that party. I know I'm harping on that, but it's like I I look at those people and I go. Oh my God, I, I'm almost jealous by how tough they seem. I'm, I feel like they don't cry. They're, they're just, it seems like they've got this hard in, in exterior or something. And I'm just like way too sensitive. And then I look at you and I feel like I could easily start crying right now. And I'm looking <laughs> at your eyes and they're like welling up. And I'm, and what I want to know from you is how do you, this is more for me and for listeners, girls or boys or whoever the fuck is out there listening, how do you get out of those? painful internal spirals how long do they last for and how do you fucking get yourself out of these insecurity uh sad emotional moments well i let them happen i don't like fight them i don't think that there's anything wrong with me feeling those that way i think i sometimes i get frustrated that i feel so much but through time i, I know that my intuition is more right than wrong and i usually bounce back by just like jumping into another idea or like trying again in another way. And then, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know. I just keep going. You just keep going. I'm, a scra I'm very, very scrappy. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a lot of, I, I have a lot of things that I, I do care about. I mean, it's not easy. Like I always want to give up. I just did this movie and there was like a point this summer when I was editing it and it didn't like, you know, things are hard. They're not exactly the way you think they're going to be. And I, I it, what I, is this movie? It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but what does matter is like what I learned from the whole process is like, first of all, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm very, very capable and I'm really smart. And I took that away from that. And I guess I've never really admitted that to myself. 
what I saw that I was doing though was giving my power to other people and getting very easily wounded by the way that they were dismissing me or not trusting me or undermining what I was pretty sure about. And I think most of my life, the things that I've known pretty surely, I feel and I I know. And then other people were like, that's not true. And then I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? I thought I knew this, but other people seem I'm done with that. Like, I actually feel now more so than ever, hopefully I'll just be able to get over these things more and more faster. But it is a level of like, I have to just be like, fuck those idiots. Like, I'm just like, fuck those people. They're fucking idiots. And it seems pretty harsh because normally I'd be like, oh, those poor people. I understand. But why don't they see me? And like, I like them and I can see them. But why don't they? Why don't they understand who I am? Exactly like me. I was like, I could see everything that's going on with them. And I know why they're doing the things. But why don't they consider me smart? If I try a little bit harder, maybe they'll like me. And like, you know, it's just like, I'm just done with it. You know what? If you fucking if you can't see you, if you're not walking to a room and giving everybody the benefit of the doubt that they're just as smart as you, you're fuck you. Like. I if just, you're walking, because then I think people don't. I think people walk into rooms and think they're the most important and the most intelligent human. And you and I are the type of people that are constantly like na- uh, negotiating that for other people, or like I don't know, like we're we're just negotiating ourselves around people like that. And I just think it's like, no, don't do it anymore. I can't do it, and that's why I said earlier on where I said I just I don't want to socialize, and I only want to do this podcast and then not yeah. socialize. You get to I, curate the people you bring into your life. Well, now. the only reason I said that is because of that fucking weird experience I had at that party the other day, where I just thought, I I I can't take it. I'm too sensitive, and I don't want to do the negotiating, and I don't want to give my power away, and I do. So how can I protect myself? Just just. Uh, be more controlled with with who you're around. And that doesn't seem like the answer either. But my whole thing is I just want people to be nice and I want it to I want them to be nice and I want them to be open and I want them to I want it to be cozy. But I and then now I've just realized you can't expect that from people. So you if, can't yeah. you can't expect that from people. So how can I not give my power away? How can I protect myself more and and uh, I think I'm going to be more discerning about like you know what what party I go to or who I surround myself with and 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 just, I, I think it is the expectation. Of, the expectation. It does. It must just come naturally to you to be like kind and nice for whatever reason. And so it's confusing when it doesn't just happen back to you. Yeah, <laughs> like and, and, like, and in this business, I feel like it's a, it's a masculine thing. It's a, it's a, it's an industry thing. It's an ego thing. It's like, it's just, it, and it is crazy when very successful people you think would be nice are mean and, and like, uh, I don't know. So mean and cold and guarded and I get I can I understand the cold and I understand the guarded and I, sometimes I can understand like the mean in certain ways. I don't understand the offensive. Like when people go on the offensive or like flagrantly mean or oh, like yeah. do you know what I mean? Cuz it's yeah. one thing if that's people are act, that's actually an active thing. Right. The other other stuff. ones just like them probably trying to protect themselves. Yeah. The other ones I'm just like, dude, what is your de-? and like, you know, like um it's not like a misogynist, yeah. Like uh, whatever. I overheard business. It thing. was really funny. I can't. I don't know if I'll be able to piece this together, but I I was at a party and I have a friend who's really really cool and nice and like sees me for me. And he was talking to this guy who just has some chip on his shoulder about how they're giving women movies and like blah blah blah. And he I was can't bummed get my, on that. Oh, he was fucking furious about it and then and i was standing there while he was like going off on it and the cool thing about my project well, at least my project is like i have always known that i was going to do this 
I would have made it happen no matter what. Like I, the movie you wrote and directed. Yeah, I was just gonna do. I, I'm a very resourceful person, and I don't need things from people, and I don't expect people to help me unless I've earned their, their respect, and like I'm able to like scrap things together. And I so happened to get a producer who like saw that and believed in me, and like it's a very low budget movie, but I had people that helped me, which was awesome. So he was just going off about how they're doing, like you know, women projects, blah blah blah. And so it wasn't offending me because I knew I knew like how I had gotten to where I was. And there's no part of me that thinks that it was like a handout because I even before like it was a thing. I've always like imagined I'd grow up and make movies. So, you know, before women got to do it, too, I thought I was going to do it. Uh, (laughs) But then my friend just turned to me and was like. And he was like, and Noel, how did your movie go? And it was, he, I love that he did that to his friend. It was so funny, but like, and then I could just see this guy's wheel spinning and like trying to decide whether or not to like push at me or like, you know, it was like, he didn't know. I I, I don't know. There was like something very, I don't know why I'm telling you this story, (laughs) except for that's the ego thing and like this machismo, this um, maybe a level of misogyny. Whereas I can just, I could see this guy. I saw the guy before I heard anything that he was saying. I could see almost everything that was wrong with him. Yeah. Like everything that was holding him back. And I don't know. I, and I get it. No, I, I just, uh, I think we need to stay away from certain types of people. You mean LA. More. <laughs> LA? Well, yeah. No, Actually, there's was, lots of wonderful people in LA. Are. I love it. And I think just stay away from people that are trying to do the same things you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Most Wait, of my friends are like, do you think? You yeah. think like I shouldn't date a, a writer, director, podcast host? I don't know. <laughs> Lexi, maybe it'd be a good idea to avoid it. <laughs> maybe avoid it. Um, I mean, I just do it naturally. Because or people are repelled from me. I don't know what it is, but I navigate that pretty well. I don't like. I don't. I'm not friends with actors, actors or I'm not usually directors either. or writers. I, I just I'm just friends with the people that like seem to be nice and relate to me and like to talk about stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because I have this weird fantasy of like, and I think it's because I'm getting ready. I wrote something. I want to direct it. That's the plan. And so I weirdly feel like I keep meeting writer director guys. Oh, fuck those guys. And I think I, I think <laughs> what I'm doing is it's my way of like. Like, oh, I want to do this thing, so I'm going to date the guy who does the thing. And I think I got to get out of that habit. That must also be you thinking like you I'm not enough or I can't yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, you're not enough on your own, yeah. so you have to like somehow. And I'm aware of these things, but it's like the behavior is like still there, even though yeah, like, I wanted to talk to you about it. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I'm just curious what it is. Like what, what do you think happened? <laughs> what? Oh, God. I'm just curious because you are very smart and you're very capable and you're very intelligent. And I don't. Und- I, to me, it's like baffling. It's baffling, but I'm like, who? I think who I did a, it? I think I think it's my dad. <laughs> I want approval. I want somebody to tell yeah, me they love me. Approval. I want to know it's good. I want somebody. I don't know. I want somebody to. I don't know. I think it's validation, approval. Maybe it's a bit of me being lazy and thinking, well, if I date the writer director, ah. uh, then I uh, I don't have to do it because I've already. Uh, that's not true. But uh, I'm just trying to think what the subconscious thing would be. I do want to go back to. Uh, I think I need somebody. I'm, I just feel like I'm wild, and I need a wild, cool, badass guy who's who I respect, who's like fun and cool and neat. Yeah, I I, I can't I be tamed. Can I, I can't be. Where? That. Who is he? Where is know. he? I don't know. Cause I'm done. I, I don't know. I'm fucking done. You can be done, and you know, the second you genuinely I'm let not. go, somebody's gonna just pop into your life. And Aristotle? It's not him. He's my friend. He's my friend. It's okay to have male friends. Um, I'm talking to myself. Okay, so. I do want to. Okay, so how how did like so you auditioned for Master of None? Yeah, I just auditioned. And, and what it was great. that? What was that experience like? Tell it me. It was really you, lovely. It was you really chemistry wonderful. tested. How many yeah. times did you read? I all just read stuff? once. I think that they were in a real pickle. They were because it was an audition on a Saturday. Oh wow! They're like, <laughs> we need a woman. Yeah, it was very. No, you're the greatest. That's it like, was short, very short notice, and um, what the cool the thing that was 
I'm really horrible at auditioning. I You are? I yeah. feel like you'd be a master. No, I get n- You work nonstop. That's not true. I've only ever booked two things. Okay. Saturday Night Live <laughs> and Master of None. Well, that's enough. But genuinely and from an audition. I did an audition for that. Okay, whatever. Keep going. But I've only booked two things from an audition, and those are the two things because yeah. I'm not good at it. I'm good at the work. I like I'm I'm capable only. That's why, and you're so sensitive. I think that helps the work. So the sensitivity it can create suffering in your personal life, mm-hmm. but it really serves the work because you're acting. It's just uh, weren't you? I, I you know I was doing research on you, and and you know there are articles written about your performance in Master of None, where it's just like this really nuanced, subtle, beautiful, wonderful performance. I think yeah. I read something about that in like Vanity oh, Fair. Or it something. was really nice. It's nice, and I like a little bit further away from the character and I like can watch back on it. And I'm like, how did I do? I don't know how I did it. Cause it's not me. I like that. It's not me. I like that. I, I like that. It's a different version of me. I mean, there's versions of me, but I had a friend who was like, it's so weird to see you play somebody who's so put together when you're such a mess in real life. It's like, who's that girl? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's a version of me, but like me, uh, like a squeaky clean version of me. Um, and then Saturday audition. So you yeah, go so I had a Saturday that. audition. <laughs> I want, take me through this experience. I want to no, know. No, that was it. It was that. And then I, oh, I, I had, per, there was 10 pages of sides and I, I actually memorized them this time because I was like, oh, I might actually want to do this. Whereas a lot of times I think I avoid memorizing because I secretly hate it and the part and only want it for the money <laughs> to help me before I got to make my movie or whatever. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm, I actually think I wanted, I want this job. I like the show like I, they sent me one episode and it just was conversational in a way that felt real and um so i memorized all these sides and then when we get there they give us new sides and they and they were like no these are the ones you're going to do and everybody in the waiting room starts freaking out yeah because they're new sides and to me i thought oh wait that's great because they can't expect us to know them so there's even less pressure on me now that sounds awesome, yeah. And and then we went into the room, and then they were, he, and then it was with Aziz, and I didn't know he was going to be there. Oh my god! And were you was, terrified? No, because I had already convinced myself that they couldn't expect me to do anything more than what I was. It was like the perfect storm of me, like just saying fuck it. Um, and I just was able to get out of my head. And then he was like, "Oh, we're going to improvise this scenario." And it was like the opening scene of the first episode, which was the Plan B episode. Where I was like, and he just goes, "Oh no, the condom broke." And I basically had the reaction. I, I hadn't seen this episode yet, but almost everything that I had said or like the the stance I took in the improv was kind of what they were going for in the dynamic, which was like he's like kind of nervous and like wants to look everything up. And so we like went through this whole thing and it was very funny. And I knew it was going really, really well because I was saying things that were super funny and, and I thought it was terrible at improv. But I was like, oh, maybe I'm just bad at like a certain type of improv. But like if it's grounded and real, like I'm, I'm very good. So. Yeah. Um, and I say things that like we, so then when I got the, when I got the part, like the, we would rehearse by throwing out the script and recording like a version of it, just like us improvising together and we would record it and then listen back through and then type it into the script, like the funny things. Oh, really? So that's why it feels like the relationship feels so. That's how the entire season was done? Not the entire season, but our, our arc specifically. I'm not exactly sure how much he did that with the other cast members. Um, but since I think we had like so many scenes together, we definitely did it. And there would be times where I would look back through a script and I'd be like, I would have a line. I'd be like, oh my God, that line's so funny when that get written and then Aziz was like you wrote that and I was like oh wow so it was a, it was oh actually my God. So it was actually a really cool experience because I went into it very gun shy because the SNL stuff had happened and like nobody saw me and like I just thought I must suck and then through that I was like oh wait I'm actually really good I forget that I I can do this and this is and um I think 
through that whole season, I like got more confidence with my writing. And now I have, now I do that. Like I'll, I'll write by saying things out loud yeah, and then transcribing what I said, because it's much more organic than if I like sit down and try and come up with funny things. Um, me just like talking as the character or the care. I will, I'll like take on the point of view of the characters that I'm writing and yeah. then write and like talk like them and then just write what I'm saying. And it's cool. Is, is and it's you, very efficient. It, is that what you did with, uh, with I did that with movie? a lot of I did that with a lot of my movie, yeah. So tell me about your movie. I don't want to give too much away. I or get really nervous it, about it. Oh, you don't have to. I just get nervous because I also hate the way that like log lines sound, but it's a comedy and it, I shot it on film and it's um and it's uh like a twenty something. This is gonna sound terrible, but it's how do I say this? A twenty something struggling comedian, not unlike me, yeah. <laughs> but isn't me. Um, has to go back to her hometown in Austin when a loved one falls sick and she stays with her ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend. Oh, my God. That sounds great. It's it's sounds- uh, my the thing that people tell me when they see the movie or read the script, they're always like, it's so you. And sometimes I'm like, is that an insult? But I think it is a good thing that it is so me because I watch it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, nobody's going to see this movie and think I try- I was trying to do anything other than what came out of my mind. <laughs> like. I, cause I, I, I don't, I like, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm, I, I'm not, you know, I went to film school, but I was never like really into like geeking out over cinema or like directors or a tour like, I just don't look at movies that way. I look at them like how they make me feel and if I like them or I don't. And, um, and then I have my own ideas of how things should do. So watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, this is totally me. And, um, people are either going to love it or hate it, which is kind of what's been happening. Like when we do screenings, like young people for the most part seem to really like it. And like older people fucking hate it. Oh really? And specifically older women, which I, I'm, I'm the first time I got like feedback from an, like an, not older, but she was like in her late thirties. She started tearing apart my movie to my face. And since I'm also acting in it, then started shifted from referring to the character than just saying, and then when you did this Ah! and when you did that, and I don't know why you did this and it doesn't seem like this. And then at, at a certain point it got so aggressive and I was just like, wow, this has gotten really personal. And I diffused it instantly because it was so absurd. Like I couldn't, like at first it was really hurting my feelings. And I was like, wait, this is this clearly has nothing to do with me. <laughs> like, Where are the screenings happening? Um, well, that one, the, that one, the crazy thing about that one is it happened in my apartment. In your- <laughs> and it was a woman I didn't know. And what? my producer brought her and like brought a couple people. And so it was this woman like came into my house and was attacking me. And it felt, it was so violating. And it took me about two days to completely get the situation like to get it out of me but each time somebody did something like that to me and it was rare but i just got more like militantly like i don't fucking care what you fucking think like if it's not gonna help me because there was like one person that was like um i would like totally reshoot this and like i don't know like what is if you like have this or if you shot that and like pitch this whole other storyline i was like yeah guess what i did not shoot that because it isn't my movie like people are so dumb when it comes to like how movies get made so i just don't give a shit like i did my movie i there are a lot of things that didn't come out the way that i wanted to there are a lot of things that really work and you fucking watch it and you like it or you don't and go suck my dick i like, like that that's where i'm at i'm yeah. just like i'm at the point where i'm just gonna tell people to suck my dick yeah <laughs> totally oh my god I mean I went through so much making the movie was just such a thing and How many also days? being a female director and also being a first time director it's like I learned so much about the way people operate and oh, tell me please I don't know you know sometimes it's like 
I, I think maybe it's because I was a first time director, but some of the things were definitely because I was a female director. And look, it was a low budget movie. If you wanted to do the movie, you have to like it's a low budget movie. And there were there's so many people. I, I shot it in Austin and my crew was pretty much universally wonderful. But there were a couple people on there that like it really bothered them. Um, <laughs> what really they, bothered them? That I was directing a movie. And I think they thought who gave this girl a movie i'm genuinely because i would get questions like well how did this happen i mean i'm gonna ask you that but only because we're on a podcast right and only because you're curious <laughs> yeah, and, and i'm a woman and i want to direct my movie yeah. so the way that it happened was literally i don't know how to explain this to people but and this is how almost everything in my life has happened but if i want to do something i figure out how to make it happen and i get rejected a whole bunch of times and i keep going and sometimes i make the thing and it fucking sucks and I eat shit, and then sometimes I make it, and it's good, and then you move on, and you grow, and you learn. And that's how this movie got made. Like, I wrote, rewrote a script. I've been working on it for a long time. Um, the current iteration took me very little time to write, but I had, it had been percolating for a long time. What's a long time? Um, the essence of this character, like, and she has an essence, but the hook and essence of this character, I started writing when I was in college. Um... And I remember I was writing this movie with me. I was like planning to start on it. I'm 23 years old. I don't know why I'm thinking I can do this, but I'm doing this. And uh, then that year I was working in the computer lab at the film department. And I was like an AV, like a tech person. And I would help people with their computer problems. And I was like sitting at my computer and I saw a 23-year-old girl had one South by Southwest with her film. And it was like, sounded like the character that I was writing. And it was Lena Dunham. And I... And I didn't know anything about it, but I was like, well, she did it. She did my movie. Yeah. <laughs> she wrote the movie with the female in it. I'm done. That's how I feel. So I then, and so I put it away. And then maybe two or three years later, I brought myself to watch Tiny Furniture because I thought I was like, I thought it was going to crush me. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is nothing like me or my movie. Like my point of view is so different. Why was I so afraid of this? Why did I let that thing crush me? So then I, I started pulled it back out and then I got an SNL and I stopped working on it because I knew like the idea, like if you write a script and you want to get it made, he has to look at it first. And I was like, well, he's not going to get this. And like, I don't want it to get lost. So I just stopped doing it. And then I got let go from SNL and then I started working on it again and I turned it in a draft and my to who to like my people and who are then, your people, where do they come like, from? They're Oh, like my agents. Oh, your people, your like agent, people, your manager. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. And they were like, okay, this just seems like a lot. And I was like, yeah, you guys are right. What so does I, that mean? A lot. It was like too many ideas because it was, it was like six years of ideas trying to go into one script and I got it and, and it was, it was like kind of soul crushing. And then I got master of none. And then when I got out of master of none, I figured out how to solve it solve the problem of it being too much and then i just wrote it so but it took you're it, not coming back to master of none I, I don't know you don't know okay. i mean i do but like <laughs> okay so what, so master of none the season is done you revisit your script. yeah i revisit the script it, it's not easy writing's never easy for me it's very hard i don't know why i have such a huge hang-up but when i do it it's fine so i had had solved the problem and i had the solution in my head for maybe six months and then finally, and I would go to the desert and try and write, and then I would come back and I wouldn't have written anything. And then I was just like, Fuck. You wouldn't have written anything? Yeah. I just like go to the desert and do drugs and then like mushrooms? Yeah. And, and then I, you know, I come up with ideas for children's books. Like, <laughs> but I don't actually work on my movie. And then finally, I was like, I, this is so painful. Like, it's so painful to have an idea and then like not put it out. And so I just took like two weeks and then I wrote it and I turned it in and everybody was like, whoa, <laughs> what, how did like, that's great. And then I had just met with this producer like three months before I had a general meeting with him 
And so they, why, where did he come from and why him? Um, my my agent was like, you should meet with us because they do. He works for a production company that does like very uh, low budget indies, like kind of like what he knew that I'm interested in. He knows that I'm not interested in like selling a concept to a studio where then it gets like written over four years and like a million people. I like I want to do projects and I want them to be like I want them to be what they are and I want them to be safe and protected. And I want people to understand that and get it and don't try and change what it is. If it's working, it's working. So I had had this journal with this guy where I was telling, I told him I had written a movie, but now I'm going to try and write as a short film to get funding because that was the goal. And because I had come up with a solution and I was like, so if I do the short film, I think people will give me funding. And then he was like, well, how long will the short film be? And I was like, um, you know, like 30 minutes. And he was like, why? That's just do the movie. And I was like, oh, okay. And then three months later, I did it. I wrote it as the feature and then they sent it to him. And then he was like, wait, that girl that I had just met with who was going to do a short film just sent me this feature that's finished. Like it was like a, he was, it was how like a long? little, how long was it? It was three from? months from when I had okay. met him. So to like, it looked like a, like a very miraculous sort of thing, especially because I think the movie was in really good shape, but you know, there were so many iterations before. Um, and so then we did the movie, like we made it. Um, how long was the shoot? What was the budget? Uh, the shoot was 24 days. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about the budget. Was it under 200,000? Mm, it was a little, it, it was yeah. like around that, it was like around that range. I actually don't know what the budget, I know what they told me the budget is, but you know, I don't exactly know. I just ask cause I'm fascinated by the Duplass brothers and all this, you know, that whole world of like, yeah, the, the thing, low the, budget. the way that I shot the movie and the way that I had always imagined it, the way that I wrote it was, I was like, I'm going to have to do this all myself. So whether it's a $20,000 movie or a million dollar movie, like. I know exactly how I'm going to shoot this. And so I think it could have been, it could have been much less. It would have been, a t- it would have looked totally different as a much less movie, but I think it, the the idea of it would have been and still ring true. Why on film and not? Um, that was part of the idea of the, like the way that it wanted to look. Um, I shoot film photography and when I was in college, all these people seem to know a lot more about movies than me. And I went to college, I think, I thought I was going to be a director, and then when I got there, I was like, "Oh, I don't know enough to be a director." So, and what I don't. What school did you go to? UT Austin. And I got a digital camera, and I hated the way everything looked, and I was like, "I really suck at this." And then one summer, I took a bunch of film photos when I I, I interned at IFC in New York. I got this like little scholarship thing, and I I was there, but I was by myself, and I just took pictures the whole time, and I shot it on film on this little point and shoot camera, and I didn't have enough money to get the film developed. So I took like 20 or 30 rolls. Maybe it was like 30. I think it was 36 rolls of film that whole summer. And I didn't really know what any of it looked like. And then when I got back to Austin, I moved into a new house and I was taking the, there was like sound foam in the wall, like on the walls in this room that I told the lady, I was like, oh, I'll just take it down because I just it was so cheap. I was like, don't worry about it. And when I take it, when I was taking it down, I found a thousand dollars in the wall. <laughs> you found a thousand dollars, which which was so miraculous because I was so broke and had, hadn't paid any of my bills. And so I paid all my bills and I ate really well for a week. And then I got my film developed. And, oh my God. And I got the film developed and I was like, wait, what the fuck? I like can, I actually can take pictures and I have a very, like I was able to develop my, like, I guess my eye and I like had themes and like types of things. And like, I could see all these groupings and I was like, oh, I could be a director. So it's kind of like an homage to that. Like, I really love the way that film looks. I like the, I like the idea of capturing something, but not knowing what exactly what it looks like and then kind of like working from there. I don't like overanalyzing stuff. I think it kind of kills things. Um, I think 
like they they kept being like we don't you want to watch playback you're going to be acting and don't you want to watch playback and i was like actually no because i like when i'm not overthinking it i like when things are just kind of spontaneously happening and um i just i like i like all that part of it and it looks amazing it's so amazing it's so effortlessly looks good and it really does match the genre of my movie which is this like kind of weird scrappy comedy that has like sort of there's like some absurdist elements but it feels kind of like throwbacky in a lot of ways and i don't know i just love it it looks great i don't um, know with that was it 16? 16, yeah. Super 16 or just 16? Super 16. Super 16. Well, oh, it's grainy? No, it's 16. Well, 16 is just 16. Super 16 is sound? What is this? Su- or super, super there's 16, Super 16, 16 that also has like, is that the ratio? I don't even know. See, I don't even know. It's great. Oh. It's beautiful. I love my ignorance. Wait, so how? Because to me, it's all about performances too. And so if you're capturing it in a moment, I do, like if the film's doing its job and the lighting's the way it is, we're capturing what I want to happen. Um. With editing, mm-hmm. so were you editing as you went, or did you wait till the whole shoot was over? So we would wait for, like, we would send the film off to get developed, and then they would scan it, and then they would send it to my editor. So there was like a three day turnaround. So he would start editing, and we wouldn't get dailies for three days. Okay. So for the most part, like, we only had to do, we only picked up one thing while we were shooting, and it was more just like we had run out of time, and like we needed inserts for something. But um, otherwise, like, you know, sometimes I would only get like two two takes on something and it was very limiting like i was like fuck me why did i fucking do this to myself yeah but then in the end i was like that's kind of all i needed like sure i maybe could have gotten a little bit better but there's like flavor to the movie and tell me what you noticed you said you being a first-time director and being a female director it's just like a tell lot me of the, in, the thing it's just like oh uh, even people that knew that i could do this like a lot of people were just like a little too overly like well, what do you really want? And I'm like, no, I said it. And then I would get in my head about it and then eventually be like, no, no, I said what I wanted. <laughs> like, like, so it's like a lot of people like under or like second guessing me and like, and I think it's, I, I can't tell if that's a first time director or female, but the female stuff was more just like, well, how did you, I, I know it was more female or when people are like, well, how did you, you, how did you get this? So I was like, I think when guys make movies and they're writers and director, or then they wrote the movie and a guy directs a movie, I don't think people are like, how did you get this? They're just like, that's the next step. But people were like, well, I, I just don't think that they realize that I did it all. Like it was just, I don't know. And then, um, my age, well, I don't want to, I can't talk about it, Okay, but like, I would also give people feedback and I could see how they would react to a, me giving them feedback. And I gave the all the actors, like, I, it must be such a mind fuck to be in a scene with a director as they're giving you feet. Like, I would give them notes while we were acting. And I get, like, as an actor, how that would be a lot. But me and Aziz would do that to each other on the show. So I guess I just didn't. I, I, so I would say things and I could see everything that was going through their minds. And I think for male performers... I see much more because there's like a sense of like, am I getting rejected? Like yeah. I literally can see like flares of like mom stuff, girlfriend stuff, like everything like going through their eyes. And I just be like, dude, no, just say I'm giving you a note. Like, so there was like that kind of stuff where I had to like coddle certain people because I was a woman and it was mostly dudes and dudes on my crew too, because if I gave feedback, they would get, I made one guy cry when I, I I had been like kind of putting up with a lot and I was like, no, all you need to like actually put your foot down and express something because this is going to keep happening. So I went up to somebody and I told them, hey, I'm really disappointed with how this this day went. Like we need to communicate a little bit more effectively like this can't happen again. Just starts crying. And and then I'm like, this is why I didn't give the note 
to begin with because I knew that he was going to be like, this was just like that kind of stuff. It makes me so happy. A man was crying. I feel like that's what's expected of me. They just burst into tears. So many. But then, but then the guys that were, the the guys that don't get, uh, that don't get so worked up about a woman giving them feedback are the coolest, like the best dudes ever, like going to be my best friends for the rest of my life. Like the, like the most secure humans that all have their own shit going on. And like, yeah, I need to date a, a real strong first AD. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you need to like i think you should just give somebody feedback immediately and if they can handle it (laughs) then you should marry them yeah (laughs) and just like keep it really innocuous and use like a very even tempered tone (laughs) but he burst into tears oh yeah and then it was just like and then just just like little things microaggressions just the way that people like i just it just is like by the end i was just like i just you know i could have made this movie like five friends like that's how i kept thinking i was like i'm these people are getting paid a very very good day rates or not day rates weekly rates for an indie like we because as a woman i was like i want everybody to get paid really well so it was like i made sure that like we did this as like fairly as possible i wanted it to be a family i wanted it to be like and it just it, it my shoot wasn't exactly that and it was really heartbreaking but now i know like i just have to make tougher decisions at the beginning and making those tougher decisions at the beginning will make me be able to have those things at the, in the middle and at the end because I didn't want to. There were a couple of people I probably should have replaced when there were red flags. Like your intuition had, told you, and you my didn't intuition. Listen. I didn't listen because I was trying to be. I was like, if I fire people now, these people all know each other. Like it's going to create, it's going to create like a lot of like internal strife, and I don't want them to like think I'm the enemy. So I, I'll just like suck it up and take it. But then like that kind of had like a, a effect through the end where then people are kind of like beating me up, and because I wasn't strong at the beginning, like, even my producer at one point suggested at the very beginning he was like hey that one person's talking down to you Oof. and i was like i know and i said i knew and i knew that the person was doing it but i was like i think i can handle it i think i know how to negotiate this i think we're going to be on okay terms and then it just never corrected itself no matter what i did and i was like oh i gave that person my power and like they wanted to act out whatever they wanted to act out towards me as a female and i knew it was a female thing and i knew it was like some kind of reflection of them and it was like is a man no, this was a woman. Oh, really? This was a woman who did... Like, it was like men and women who were doing it. It's not just... The crazy thing is misogyny is internalized or, like, there's, like, levels of jealousy and there's... And I think it's, like... And I think that can happen to men as well. But, like, in these certain situations, I, I could... I could... I'm very intuitive and I can tell when things are based on... I can tell what it is. I can tell what it was. So one person, it was like that. And then another person was that. And then other people just like have their own problems. I don't know. No, it's interesting. It's uh, it's interesting how a lot of this just comes back to intuition and listening to it, whether it's a social situation or a work situation. And it's funny because I, I noticed that in uh, social situations or whatever, I take on all the responsibility. I will take on all the respons- uh, emotional responsibility. Like at the party, I'll go... They're being mean to me, but it's probably my fault. What's wrong with me? And in a work situation, I will internalize and go, oh, yeah, I can I can probably make it yeah, better. You're navigating it for other people. As opposed to going, no, I don't I don't like that person at the party. They're a dick. That's cool. I don't want to be around them. Not like, why don't they want to be with me? And then in a work situation going, no, I'm not going to have this. I don't want them to speak to me this way. I'm going to uh, take care of the problem. I'm going to fire them. Or I'm going to move, you know, I, instead of... Um, 
well, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, and it's, yeah. it is a female thing. And that's good. It's good that we have those sort Nuanced. of... Yeah, we can see, and it's oh, good it's for people that are worth keeping around. <laughs> like, yeah. it's good for a family dynamic, or... Is it? I think in, like, if you're a mother and you have children and a, f- a husband, you know, I do think it's good to be able to navigate those things and, like, because you're stuck with those people for however long. Yeah. But we can't keep doing it in our lives if it's going to hurt can hurt us and i think what i've come to realize is like oh i'm just hurting myself yeah and women are nurturers i think it's like deep down or we're we're, you know we are nurturing but i feel like if you want to get a certain kind of respect that you sometimes you do have to yell you have to assert yourself you have to be a bitch or or strong a man would be strong oh the only time i got that stupid guy or that guy who i also like hijacked my movie in so many ways because he wanted to be a director and like i it was like this whole thing who the guy the guy that i made cry okay the only time the only time i got him to (laughs) i yelled at him i literally yelled and i was like oh i should have yelled at him like this guy needs to be yelled at like fuck him but um I was sitting in between takes. I'm acting in my movie. I'm a director. They were setting up lights. I was on my phone, like texting a friend. And somebody was like, hey, where's Noel? And I'm sitting right in front of him. I'm on my set. I'm the only person in this scene. Like I'm, I know what I'm doing. And then he goes, oh, she's on her fucking phone again. And I was like, oh, this is the way he's probably talking about me to everybody. <laughs> like, oh and he didn't know that I was there. And I just was, I was like, hey, person's name i'm right here did you need something from me and immediately like knew he was caught knew he was in trouble but like i i also recognized that he had been poisoning like all the people that he communicated with against me like if he was at that point talking about me like that on over headset where he thinks like and what i took from that was he thought that i wasn't being professional because i was on my phone or something like and i knew exactly another thing that's really insane to me and I guess people, I didn't even know I had the skill. I can hear what's going on in a 360 sort of thing. And I know what everybody's doing. And I, like, I guess it makes me a good director, but I know what's going on. Like, I know how much time they have to set up. I know what he's doing. Like, I could see this all. And to think that he thinks that I'm being irresponsible by looking, I'm on my phone when I know exactly what's happening. And then I recently just did, a, I, I do movies all the time. Well, not all the time, but I do projects and I'm, the directors are like, maybe a hundred thousand times more checked out in between in between setups and stuff like they like are showing people videos and like hanging out and like and then and then like when people are done setting up they're just like and action and then when it's done and like because they kind of do a lot of work beforehand i don't know but just the fact that like i got in trouble by somebody made me so oh my god uh and then my dp was like oh yeah on the headsets he was talking bad about you all the time and i was like why didn't anybody tell me (laughs) like your DP said that she said she could. She overheard him like other times, Who is but he DP? was also mean to her. Oh, so like really? we both were just like, um, who, who my, her name is Delmar Weaver Madsen, and she's really cool. what's her name? Delmar Delmar. Is it spelled D A G M A R? Oh wow! I love that you had a female DP. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I tried to. I tried to have. I wanted. You know, like. I needed it. I needed her. I needed like somebody who got me and was sensitive. And I met with other DPs and they were fine, but like they come from it from a different point of view. Like it's like a very, like I'm very good at like setting up shots and I can tell when things are beautiful and like, I know what I want, but like, I don't need to overthink it. Like I just, I could care less. Like 
Did she bring her sensibility to the mix? Yeah. Did she set up shots and everything? Cause I... Yeah, yeah. Well, we did. We went all handheld because I wanted it to be handheld. And but yeah, she had like an intuition about she like had a vision for it. She did, well. and she also was like good performance. Like to me, it was more important. Like performances were more important than a lot of the things. And so I knew I was like tasked her. I was like, you need to make you. And she's filmed, so it's like it's all on you to to capture what you think is necessary. But she also like knew when to lean in or like knew when to give like a moment a certain punctuation and if she was seeing something in a shot that i couldn't see because i was acting like as another actor was like performing in a, in a way that maybe didn't feel real or was doing something she'd be like hey this person's doing this so she was like kind of a partner and right. that sort of stuff which was i really desperately needed that's so important how did you uh find her um my producers just had me interview people oh my goodness um what would you do differently i think you already said that oh, i would just fucking fire people no. you would like, yeah, what, no i really you, would um i would fire people i also have to meet every single person in person now i the people well, that you hired people you didn't meet in person i hired people on skype and um the few there were a couple yeah the people that i hired from skype weren't as much of a home run for me as the people that like I met with and was yeah. able to gauge. And then I also know now that if they give me three options and I meet three people and I, I'm not happy with the three people, keep meeting more people, meet more people. And I just didn't know that I could do that because I'm like, thank you so much for setting this all up. And like, thank you for making, let me make my movie. And oh. so like, but so now, and I didn't want to be like at any point, I was just like, I didn't want to be too much trouble. And then I'm like, now I'm going to be trouble. <laughs> like I just, I'm going to be trouble. And but only as far as I need it. You're going to be strong and do what you need to fucking do. Uh, yeah, suck my dick. Suck my motherfucking dick. Everybody I meet, I'm going to be like, all right, cool. You, uh, I think we're really close, but um, one last thing. Yeah. Will you suck my dick? You fucking suck my I'm done I'm sucking other people's dick. I'm sucking my own yeah, dick. Yeah. I'm going to suck my own dick for the next year. Yeah, I really, I do think that's really important. I think you should take some yoga classes, get yourself limbered, <gasps> Learn and how to suck, suck my dick. your own dick. <laughs> um. Do you, uh, was your script a traditional like three act script? Yeah. Thing? It yeah. was? I did, I did this thing where I wrote uh, what would feel like, I, I think like any, like a indie movie where you go back home and I would take moments that you, you feel, that feel like a little trite and then I would try and like flip it so that I would always like try and undercut it with something a little bit more absurd. So I did. I went through a traditional three act structure because wow. I wanted to do that and I wanted it to be a movie. Like my bigger, my biggest goal with it was that yes, no matter what the price point was, I wanted it to feel like not, not like a, this was just like an indie movie I threw together. I wanted to feel like this is a movie that people, you watch it and you were like, I saw a movie. So it's like kind of gets big and kind of ridiculous, but I think in a way that people hopefully will really enjoy it. I, you know, I've watched it a bunch. <laughs> I want to see it. Watch it too many times. And by the end of the movie, as many problems as I have with the movie and like the way some things came out, by the end of the movie, I'm like, but I made a movie that actually feels like a movie and like, and I feel something at the end every single time and I'm, like I, I'm happy with that. Like I got like an emotion at the end that I had always hoped would come through, and it did. And um, it's heart. It's like actually very heartfelt. And I think that that's hard for some people to wrap their minds around when they like watch a movie and it's not like an auteur like doing all these fancy things, and they can't like sit around talking about like the the smart things that I did. Even though I think I did so many very intelligent things, it might just be more like subtle and um yeah what did you do with it did you submit it to sundance yeah and so south we submitted by? it to sundance and yeah we're submitting it to south by so, so you're just waiting yeah, yeah, yeah you already submitted to sundance and yeah. south by yeah oh my god what's it called do we know mr roosevelt oh mr roosevelt uh-huh all right the mystery oh my god when, when you were writing that did you feel like were you trying to uh i mean i really don't, don't know all that i could know about it but i feel like when i'm writing i want to put in 
every single idea I've ever had or every kind of like important statement I want to make or things that I want people to think about. And then you have to go, oh, my God, you're just telling this one story. Just fucking relax. Like, yeah. save, save it for the, the second or the third movie. You know, no, I think that the first couple drafts is what they were like. This is too much. It's like too, too many. Well, yeah. There were just too many people I was meeting, too many people pontificating about like where we are in our lives and like blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, no, here's one event now. And like. And I and I it took a lot of weeding out, but now I have all these like great scenes that I can seed in, or the ideas that I came up with, or like I settled upon. If I came up, if there was like one line that I like discovered that I think is so brilliant, I can always put it somewhere else. Yeah, did you, or say it in a podcast? You can say it in a podcast. Uh, was there any improvising? Very little. Like, Very little. I, but I did. Um, I think the cast is really amazing, and um, who's in it? As with great casts, like people improvise really funny things that made it in. Uh, the cast is Nick Thune, Britt Lauer, who, do you know who she is? No, I know Nick Thune. Nick Thune, Britt Lauer, um, she is on Man Seeking Woman and, um, she just did a season of Casual and she's just so funny and I really, she made me laugh the most because she is playing this, I wouldn't say unlikable character, but like a challenging female character that she, I don't know, she just found all these like little ways to say something funny. And like, it was so fun for me and the editor to, to like see her do it and then be like, great, we get to put that in. And uh, so she made the character like even like way more three dimensional. And, um, and Daniela Panita, do you know her? Uh-uh. Um, she's also very, very talented and just like a lot of really talented actors from Austin. Uh, a lot of people I didn't know, and they just like audition, and so great. I'm just really happy with all the people. Oh my god! And we never talked about your show. I met you because of Morgan Cran. Yeah, and I met. Well, yeah, and I reached out to you because I was like, I'm trying to make female friends. And yeah, <laughs> well, do you not have very many female friends? No, I didn't. I mean, I think this year has been like the year of female friends for me, and I'm like, it's been uh, like very great. Like I, I've had a lot of female companionship, and it's really helped me. Um, become a better lady become a better lady well, like really, yeah well so i'm so i have been friends with morgan for a long time and then he wow well, so what happened there you well, sold the show to comedy central yeah we sold the show to comedy central let me take right? this back a little so the audience yeah. even knows what i'm talking about so i met noelle because you wrote, created a tv show for uh-huh. comedy central and cast morgan Krantz, uh as your love interest and then morgan kind of like made like I, I kept he connected him. us right no here's what i hotly pursued you you hotly pursued oh, yeah. me i saw i kept seeing him post about you and i was like oh i've seen that girl around and then i listened to his, uh, his podcast he did with you or uh, the episode that he did with you and i was like what a smart person and then i asked him for your number i think oh i love that yeah oh, that's so great I was like, oh smart lady I mean, we gotta hang out more. Yeah. You're hot, if this is a hot pursuit, uh, we're not hanging out. I know out you want to be single, and I know <laughs> you're staying home alone. But if you ever wanted to, you I, know, I do. <laughs> um, suck each other's dick. dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god! Okay, we're we are gonna land this plane momentarily. Oh, um, oh god. Well, so what happened with the Comedy Central thing oh. in between Master of None and now? Oh, yeah. You well, had the show. Well, well, the show, I sold the show. The funny the funny thing is, is the way that I sold the show to Comedy Central was the week that I had to move out of my apartment from, like, SNL. Like, SNL, it was, like, the season that I wasn't on was premiering that week, and that happened to be the week that the girl that had been subletting my apartment over the summer was leaving, so I had to get out of the apartment to because I was not renewing the lease. So... <laughs> got there to move all my stuff 
And it was so tragic because it was like the week that the show was starting and I'm moving out of my sad apartment. And um, <laughs> I put all my furniture on Craigslist and all these people were like coming and getting it. And my people were like, hey, did you want to go meet with Comedy Central while you're here? Just so this is like not the saddest experience of your life. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And um, so I had a woman who was like going to come get most of my stuff. And she showed up and she was like 60 years old and she was by herself. And I had this meeting to go to and I ended up being 30 minutes late for it because I was helping a woman take my dresser and my bed and my tables down four flights of stairs each. And I... This is New York? This is New York, yeah. And so I show up to the meeting 30 minutes late oh and I was dressed up for it and I just sweated through the thing and I and I sat down and I was like, fuck my life! Ah! I just like railed on everything that had happened and like all these ways that people wronged me. I talked about how I had, re- had like been in New York and one of my neighbors got my car towed and how I got into a note war with him. But while I was on SNL, I would like make my boyfriend, I would type up a note and make him go put it on the car and then he then the person would respond and take a picture to me and then I would write up another note and be like you fucking print this and put it on so I got this so and then they were just like and, and then I was like and then here are the ideas I have for shows and then they, and they, and they were just like you just seem so nice and sweet. It's like surprising to hear you talk. Like, I was like, well, give me a show. You'll see how not nice that sweet I am. And then Whoa. they did. <laughs> and what was the show? So they gave you. So, you, it was you, pa- you... so I wrote pa- we, me and my uh, uh, Flint We wrote Power Couple uh, together, which was like based on our relationship and how we are just two combat- combative people. We recently came up with like. Uh, and you just were telling them names, like ideas just, for shows. Well, I was telling the them, I was telling them, I was like, here's the kind of show that it would be. And then I would tell them a story about an interaction. I was like, cause this is how I interact with the world. Like, I don't like, I was just telling you how I like rolled over and took a bunch of shit. But for the most part, when people like do these little dumb things or like, like from day to day, when people do these things, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Why doesn't anybody see the world? Like I do like kind of and raw, <laughs> fucking raw. And uh, Flint is also that way, but in a different way. Like he, we have different versions of that. And so we were like, and we do a, a series where that's like that, where we are like a unit and it's me and him kind of versus the world. And this about, is the Comedy Central thing? Yeah. So that was Power Couple and Morgan's in it. Power uh, Couple. Power Couple. Uh, but uh, they we're redeveloping it with them. Like, Oh, you are? Yeah, we're redeveloping. So they there were things in like the pilot that they like didn't necessarily come together. We kind of overwrote our script and too much was happening. Uh and like it just ultimately we had to cut a bunch of stuff and so that made the episode feel very thin so they just kind of wanted we're now we're doing a couple more scripts oh you are oh yeah and then you're going to reshoot the pilot or i don't know exactly what's gonna happen it's just like here's here let's try and write a little bit less will we be able to maintain the magic and um because yeah yeah so you wrote too much cut a lot and then end up being too thin it ended up being not just too thin. It was like our episode was like so – I like to write things where things always like kind of col- uh, collect at the end and like some kind of blow out or like where things kind of come together. And so when you start pulling threads from earlier in the the episode, those things don't really pay off. Yeah. I also found that with my movie. Like uh, I don't know how this happened, but like I shot a 108-page script. And then when we were editing, my pre- my producer was like, yeah, now you need to get it to 85 minutes. And I was like – what? Not that I wanted to have a two-hour-long indie movie that's a comedy, but, like, 
85 minutes is like totally different than like a movie that's maybe an hour and 40 minutes. And and I was like, but then why should you let me shoot all that stuff? And like, now I pulled all these things, but everything leads into this. And even my editor was like, yeah, that's the way you write. You write where like one thing pays off later. Like, so it's hard. So editing the movie was very interesting and trying to come up with solutions to that kind of stuff. And I think I did settle on something that was okay. It's much leaner. It's a lean. The movie? It's a lean. It's very tight. Tight. I lost a lot of stuff because I had to because one thing you take one thing out the other thing has to come out. Well, so why why did it have to be eighty five minutes? I think that was their goal. I, Whose goal? Well, the my producers? producer. Because well, and then I was like, and then when he told me that, I was like, fuck him. I'm gonna look at all his movies and see how long they are to call his bluff. And I looked at all the movies he'd done. They were all eighty five minutes. <laughs> really? Who was this editor? <laughs> uh, the editor was yeah. uh, his name is Charles Gibson, but the producer. Everyone that he had made under this company were all literally 85 minutes. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's not he's not shitting me. Why not 90 minutes? What's the difference between 85 and 90? I, I thought 90 was there. I don't know. But in the end, my movie, I think, is like with the credits is 91 minutes. So yeah. he, he gave me six more minutes. But, oh, my goodness. But it's so funny because I got so mad. I was like, oh, he fuck, he's giving me a number just so he could. And then I was like, oh, shit, they're all 85 minutes. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see this. But then we did cut it down to 85 minutes. And it just was like, you can't cut this much out. It becomes meaningless. So then we put some stuff back in that really now I think it's in a good place. Um, now it's a totally, uh, total aside here. Yeah. I know you like mushrooms and I've never tried them before. Yeah. We've talked about this cause I am a little too on the mushroom train. You are. I, mean, I like, I put, I'm always like, well, have you tried mushrooms? Well, and should I try mushrooms and how often well, do you do mushrooms and why should I try mushrooms? Well, I definitely think you should try them if you're open to it. Like you only do it if you feel like it. Um, I made the mistake when I first started doing mushrooms where I was like really pushing them on people that I was like, cause <laughs> give me I, some right now. Do you I have like any them, they're hard to find. Okay. Um, I was like a little too gung ho. I think it's like when a kid smokes weed for the first time and it's like, weed's the best thing and like, like tries to get all their friends. Everybody. And, yeah. And so I did that with a couple of, and I think I would do it with female friends because it was like, it's really helped me as a, uh, dealing with my femaleness and like the things that are my problems because I'm a woman in this world. Um, and then so I would do them with like these women and then they would like kind of freak out or oh, get really my. upset and I wasn't strong enough to deal with it. Or, so I don't know. People just get like, I had one friend who I think might be, she's like, she's so wonderful and so intuitive and she might be like a mystic. So she had a thing, but she's like too young to know. And like, we'll probably have to go through all these other things. But she had this thing where at first it was like really great. And then just like things were like entities were flying around her and like kind of like attacking her. And like, it was like this whole thing. And um, I think there, there was a moment where she was stuck in, in infinity and I looked her in the eyes and I got there with her and I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> like, and so I was like, we got to get you out of infinity. And I had, and I had experienced infinite infinity once when I was a kid, I had, I got really sick and hallucinated and spent uh, infinity in hell, <laughs> like oh my God. for the eternity. I guess it's a better way to say it. I spent eternity in hell as a seven year old. So I knew exactly what it was. And so when I looked in her eyes and it happened, I was like, Oh, we're in hell and this is eternity cool now let's get out (laughs) let you get out well i just we had to like she ended up calling her boyfriend and her boyfriend and i both were just like just trying to be funny and like really taking care of her and making her laugh and like just being like it's not real and like and like i i like started telling stories and i cried and like like it was just like you just kind of break the spell because it's like you just go into like a spiral um so i don't so that happened and then um yeah 
but I do think you should. I've been doing it with people and I just take less with them now, like to, to introduce people to it, to see how they react. And I have a friend who's, um, I did it with him in New York for the first time and we had the most magical day. You did? Where? Even before it happened. Can I, how much time we have? No, this is too weird. No, tell me. Well, I just think like, I'm having like a confluence of like world or like worlds are colliding and like my shroom land is now becoming like real life, but like in a, in a cool way. And I'm, I'm having like a lot of synchronicity in a way that's like, a little terrifying and also kind of reassuring because I'm like, oh, something's afoot. I'm always like, something's afoot because like weird things keep happening and I'll, I'll like, you'll be in New York and like you, you get the impulse to leave your house and your friends crossing the street and you're just like, how does this happen? Like what's like they're visiting from, you know, somewhere else, like that kind of stuff when that'll happen. But my friend came to visit me in New York and we, he wasn't visiting me. He was like kind of doing his thing, but he knew that part of that was like, he might do mushrooms with me. Oh, cool. So he came to New York and then I'm like telling him about all my coincidences and all these things that were happening and how I love shrooms and like ways shrooms are doing it and blah, blah. And he kind of opened up to me about like this past relationship that he had and like how he had um, been married. And then it was like this, like kind of the shame of his that he had been married and then got divorced. And like, she was really horrible to him. And like, he hadn't talked to her for like eight years. And I was like, well, where does she live? And he was like, Oh, she moved to New York. And I was like, Oh, well, we'll see her tomorrow. Or I was like, we'll run into her. And he's like, haha, whatever. So before we do shrooms, we're walking. My friend, uh, me and my friend, um, like two of my guy friends meet up. And my my other friend who meets up with us was with me the year before when something like this also happened. So I'll tell you what that was. But so we're walking down the steps to the train. I kind of get us lost. This always happens when I get people lost. I'll like, oh, I went down the wrong way. And then something cool happened. So I kind of got us lost a little bit and I was like no no go down this train and I was like you know the synchronicities happen on trains a lot and I was reading about it and it's because travel sort of like uh, shakes up your paradigm of like what you're expecting and that allows you to kind of move more intuitively and as we're walking down the steps we get down to the platform the doors open up and his ex-wife walks out and he was just like that's my ex-wife and he hadn't seen her and since he was like since the day we had gotten divorced which was like seven years were you guys on shrooms at this point not yet okay phew but the sh- but then the thing is okay so but that's crazy that's fucking crazy we weren't even on the shrooms like, yeah <laughs> and it was already starting so that's what I mean like the shroom world is now becoming my real world because I get coincidences on shrooms where like crazy things will happen and I'm always like it's the shrooms and I was like we're just talking about doing shrooms and this is happening yeah so that happened and that was like that was like kind of the biggest moment and then that was the 15th anniversary of September 11th and he told me later that day the first time I ever hung out with her was September 11th 2001 so. 15 years to the day that he hung out with her for the first time she walked out of the train and like he i don't know i think it was what was cool about it was like she had i guess had been like this kind of horrible person in his mind but when i saw her i was like you have to like you know that you're so much better off and like you're doing really well and like maybe she's not and like you know that right and i i think it was like important to see but like that was the coolest thing and so then we did we did them in the park and it was they talk for a moment those two no, she didn't saw. even see him. She didn't even see him? Then, like, two weeks later, and this is, like, and he was, like, you're, he kept being, like, you're a witch, like, you're, this is, like, and I was, like, no, you actually have to be, re- I think, genuinely, you're the one that did all this. Like, uh, maybe I facilitated by him talking about it, and, like, maybe you're more open to it, but you're the facilitator because you told me about her, so you're facing this. So two weeks later, this, she accidentally texts him a picture of herself. So. Naked? No, just like a picture. Okay. And so her hair color was the same. 
And so it was her. Like he was, and then he was like, did you mean to text this? And she accidentally texted the wrong person. But then he was like, I saw you in New York. Like, did you see me? And she was like, no. And then she was like, but now that we're texting, I just want to say I'm really sorry about everything that happened. So it just, she accidentally sent him a picture, then was like, I'm sorry. It was like, it all came together and I had nothing to do with it. So it was like a really cool thing. But my friend who was also there, who was like, what is happening? The year before we had done shrooms and we were talking about Woody Allen all day and uh, we were walking around and I got us lost and then I took us down the wrong thing and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then all of a sudden we're just standing next to Woody Allen and Sunyi and he's like, Noel and I fucking ran. It scared me so much. I fucking ran as far as way as I could. And then he ran too. And so we had just like bolted from Woody Allen. And then I was like, wait, wait, wait we got to take a picture. So I took a picture of him in the foreground and Woody Allen getting into a taxi. I think I saw it. Did you put it on Instagram? Yeah, it's on Instagram. <laughs> but the crazy thing that happened was like literally all day I'd been like talking about him in a very specific way. I know like when you're in New York, you might talk about Woody Allen, but it was like, because it just ha- you just do because you're there. But mine was just like talking about if I was ever offered a Woody Allen movie would I be able to do it and we were just like weighing comically weighing like the circumstances like well how many kids would he have like this whole thing and like and then I think it came around the idea of like I guess we'll just have to wait and see how good the script is (laughs) and then then we ran into him which is like the most insane thing ever and so he was there when then we saw this woman and he was like wait what the fuck like what's happening I was like I don't know it's just New York man this kind of stuff happens in New York (laughs) so I guess I got to do mushrooms with you. I think it might be fun. <laughs> you have to. T- what I like about it is like this point of confessional thing. Like I was like, oh, maybe I can like help people if like they're willing to like. If you have some stuff you want to talk about, and then like we just go on a little journey because that's all it ended up being. It was like I just talked to him. He was my friend. Talked about some things that were bumming him out. Then we went and did shrooms, and like literally the whole shroom thing was like the whole trip. Like things were just appearing that were kind of addressing the situation that we had talked about the day before. You're walking around New York on shrooms, Central Park, Central Park on shrooms. Yeah, it was so cool, and I was like really impressed with the because it was so subtle. You're so brave. We didn't take too much either. No, it was just like such a little amount, but it was such a subtle like current of like like we are meant to be in this moment and all these things that are happening like you came here to like deal with your past like it had nothing to do with the drugs like it has nothing to do with coming to see your friend like this is literally your thing and uh, I also I haven't told you I don't know if I told you maybe when we talked I was like I was planning on doing ayahuasca and I did ayahuasca and that was like oh you did I did it but it wasn't great and uh, I don't think I took enough or something and it like it actually kind of ruined my summer because what ended up happening was like my heart broke a million times for all of humanity and like my heart was opening and breaking but it was like healing like I, I was like letting all this stuff go and then all this energy started pouring out of it and then went to my stomach and then it was done so all the pain that was in my my heart got transferred to my stomach and I walked around LA this summer with just so sick for months and I was just like, why is this happening to me? And like, I kept emailing the lady being like, I can't stop crying. It's like, feels like somebody died. Like I can't. And then she's like, it's all part of, it's like kind of like the dismissive thing. Like when health people or new age people are like, if you're hurting, it's working. If you feel better, it's working. Like, so she's like, it's part of the journey. Like, but now I kind of see maybe it was <laughs> like, it was, it was because, and then I went to see, I was so desperate. So I started going and getting spiritual healings. And this one guy was like, Oh, your guides are saying they did this to you on purpose because you're so self-absorbed with your own pain and they want you to stop doing like take stop thinking about your own pain and start doing like 
start using the knowledge that you have from that pain to help other people. Oh, that's a good so point. So that was cool for the – I was like took that to the shroom thing being like, oh, maybe I can just be a facilitator because I've been through so much shit. And like I am almost unflappable when it comes to this sort of things. People can tell me anything and I won't like – look at them like they're bad like people could be like i raped and murdered a baby and i'd be like all right are you ready to move on <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> let's just as long as you can like make you know i just think like so maybe that's where that is but yeah. are you happy now do you feel no. like you're, ha- you're not <laughs> uh-uh. no i'm real sad are you yeah it's so it's so frustrating i i'm getting better i'm definitely getting a little bit better and i i um uh, I go in and out like some days I'm so happy and like I feel uh, like I, I do feel like the shrooms have helped me grow in a lot of ways and like really took off a lot of garbage in my mind that wasn't mine. And so like I'm able to just be me more, but I do, but it's not fully there. So I kind of mourn like when I take shrooms, I'm like, this is me. And then when I come back to where I am, I'm like, it's like like kind of a mourning. Like uh, there's like a lot of grief there where my soul feels like very small and like I'm trapped in this heavy, miserable person that can't say things right and like can't talk the way that she wants to talk and doesn't do the things she wants to do. But I think it's getting better. And I do think help, like uh, the – it's not the social anxiety, but, like, making more friends has been very helpful. Because it gets you out of your head? Yeah, and, like, and I think that thing that that guy told me, that spiritual healer dude, being, like, you're so obsessed with your own pain that they're trying to get you out of your own, out of that to help other people. And anytime I, like, kind of start falling into my own drama, if I can, like, pull myself out of it, like, things almost instantly get better. And then if I, like, go, like, out. I like reach out to my friends now and I'm like, how are you doing? And like, I sit with it and like try and if they tell me things, I like stop thinking about myself. Like, it's just like that. So I'm like practicing that kind of stuff. Do you meditate at all? I do. But I, when I get really busy, it's really hard, but meditation do she as is. And I know like people like to make fun of it. Like I, I, I had really chronic stomach pain all my life. And there was one summer in 2012, I think where I was so sick the whole summer that I was just trying every diet and I was cutting everything out of my barely eating, trying to figure it out. And then my friend was like, Hey, you want to do this Deepak Chopra 28 day meditation challenge? So I did it. And within 30 days, my stomach pains were almost completely gone. And I, that was the first time I realized like everything was connected to my brain and my emotions. And that's kind of sent me on this whole journey of like, now I experiment with all sorts of things because I'm like, well, what else do we not know? Like if this yeah. something this simple can radically change my life and I haven't been doing it. And like basically for the past month, my stomach has been so upset. And so I like I get back to that. I have yeah. to get back to it because it's like I get so miserable. And then when you are in pain, it makes it harder to do even just meditate. It's so hard to do because you're just yeah. like hurting so much. And when are you the happiest when you're in the doing of something? When like. I do things, I'm so happy. Like, and you're out of your own you're yeah. out of your head. And all I want to do is make things and like I have all these ideas and when I can't do them, it's so painful. And like and so when I'm just doing them, I'm like so fucking happy. Like I started playing piano and anytime I'm actually just like learning new things with the piano and I'm actually sitting down and doing it without like anxiety, I'm so fucking happy. And I can like play. I can make music up. I started playing guitar recently and like I I used to try and play guitar like all the time. And all of a sudden, like I can I can do it like I can get into it. And I'm like, this is exactly Oh, you can lose yourself to that. You can lose it. And it's so simple. And it's just like I'm not that good, but like it makes me so happy. And like writing when I'm actually writing and I'm not fighting it, it makes me happy when I'm acting and I'm not fighting it. And when I'm building things and I know. Do you have an animal? I do. I have a cat. You have a cat. His name's Mr. Feeny. You have a kitty named Mr. Feeny. Well, so what's next for you? Um, that's such what a you- great question, Alexi. Uh, I <laughs> just got back from this movie 
maybe a couple days ago and I'm so fucking tired, but I have to write these scripts for Comedy Central and we just finished a draft of one and then like... We'll is see. Morgan coming back for that or is um, it re- recast with a different guy? Or? I don't know exactly. Oh, exclusive. Huh? It's an exclusive. There's no... We don't really know what's going okay. on. Like we're just taking it and I like that I don't know. Like I'm not trusting out. I'm just like whatever happens, it's going to happen. So Comedy Central, you're tired from the movie, the Aya Cash movie. Yeah. Maybe she did she return your text yet? No, not yet. But All right. Well, you know, you should text her and I'll text her. I'll um, get the ball rolling. Yeah, there's just a lot of things. Like not, I'm also just like really very focused on getting better. Like uh, I know that sounds silly, but like I'm just like I want to be a better person. I want to be happy. I want to get over all this like self loathing and. Well, I don't know why you you have that, but it's not. I, I mean, that's not that's not my business, and that's. Uh, I don't either. I wish I could get to the bottom of it. I'm always trying to um you're, crack it. You're so inspiring. You're just like powerhouse. You're just like moving and you're hustling. You're making stuff and yeah. you're trying to be the best version of yourself you can possibly be. And it is such an inspiring thing. And people are, you know, I, I know they're gonna like listening to all your thoughts and feelings I so and, i hope so and i hope they're not mad at me and i hope people just accept me. no fuck those people yeah fuck them suck fuck my them. dick <laughs> fucking suck my dick um <laughs> i'm gonna be, you're gonna see like 20 years from now like some intern like comes out and be like well i thought i had a dream job at noelle wells's company but she made me suck her dick, she made me suck my dick. <laughs> and then you i'm like bill cosby level oh my <laughs> horror <God>. show <laughs> do you, I mean, I don't know how I'm going. Uh, do you want to have kids? I do. You do? do you I want, do. Do you want to get married and have kids? I don't know if I want to get married, but um, I I used to think I never wanted to have kids. That yeah. I was just like very convinced that being a kid was the worst. Because for me, being a child was like, it was like a miserable experience. Do you talk to your parents anymore at Not, all? No. Neither? Not really. This is why you're so driven. This is why yeah, no, like, I think about they it can a lot. see you on billboards and, and then they can go, well, oh, she won't talk to I, me. I definitely know I got an SNL to impress my mom. And then when she came and visited me and was only, only more, she, she saw, she sat in the audience. And when I got done, I was like, wasn't it so cool to see me on that stage? Cause like we, that was like our only point of connection was like SNL. Like we watch it together. I was like, isn't that so incredible that I was there? Like literally like a little kid being like, mommy, I did it. And then yeah. she just was like, John Mayer liked that one kitty cat sketch. And I realized my mom, John Mayer was in the audience watching Katy Perry, his who was like the musical guest. My mom just watched John Mayer the whole time. So bring, I don't know if you're going to cut out all that stuff about that John Mayer party. but um, <laughs> I'm going to leave it all This in. is definitely all connected. So John Mayer... <laughs> well, he's very tall and cute. So, yeah, so but can, we, yeah. can we blame your mom for being the monster that she is? It's just so no, she's not a monster, <laughs> but she just definitely will never give me the love and credit that I'll, I definitely crave. So I and then I made the joke uh, at Comedy Central. I told them the story and then I was like and I said out loud and I was like, and I got on the show because of her. And then I was like, I know I just made a joke, but like definitely a hundred percent like that was my only goal and probably because it was the way that we connected yeah and i thought like she'd be so proud and she really was proud of me when i called her she like cried and it was a whole thing but like instantly it goes away like <laughs> yeah sorry. and so and so now i think i feel like a little rudderless because i lost that thing that meant so much to me that i thought was going to earn the respect and then i was like oh well if i don't have that well where do i get the love and the respect and then like does she, it, i guess she just doesn't Maybe it never will happen, and then, but then you, but then from there, from those ashes, you become yourself, and then you know. Yeah. So I'm like kind of in that mode where I'm just like ready. I like it felt like to me it was like a, a, a psycho spiritual rock bottom, not because I got embarrassed because I didn't last on the show, but more just like 
it meant, I guess it meant much more to me in like a different sense. And yeah. So if, if I'm ever on billboards now, you'll know it's from a, a personal well of self-resolve and love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a perfect way to end the show. And I think the bottom line for both what I'm taking away from this and uh, maybe the listeners will be. Yeah. Uh, because I seek outside validation all the time at that party that the John Mayer party. I was just like, is everything going to be okay? Oh my God, what's going on? And I wanted to, my, the next day I wanted to call my friend, uh, my friend who was with me at the party to ask him if I behaved okay, if everything was fine. And I thought, why do I need to do that? I just want to be able to get reassurance from myself. So that's what I'm working towards as well. So, uh, and it's so fucking difficult. But, yeah, uh, but good I think that that's, that's the, that's the, this has like really been a love, Alexi. Like, it's like love, Alexi. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> love both of us, please. Love us. No, but love yourself. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to go kill myself. <laughs> Wrong direction. Wrong direction. Do you regret doing this podcast? Uh, well, it just depends on, you know. <sighs> How many people listen to this? Just like four, and no, I'm going to make a lot on. of cuts. It's going to we're going to we're going to cut this down. Like your editor Do you really? cut down your movie. Do you cut it down? We're going to cut out whatever you want me to cut out. I mean, I honestly think I can probably live, live with everything. Did you just burp on my show? I thought we were over, and I was holding it the whole time. We are. We are. So we are ending. We are landing. By the way, this by the plane. way I've been getting like stomach. I'm having stomach problems, and like. I know that it's connected emotionally, and I went to go to the bodywork lady, and like the, the bodywork lady, the bodywork lady basically opened up this channel where the, when I get like really worked up, I start burping. Uh oh! <laughs> so it's like it's like a stress thing when I burp. <laughs> we we gotta it's get really, out of here. It's we, really embarrassing. We gotta get out of here. Well, thank you for talking to me, and uh, we'll definitely make the appropriate edit- edits. I think you should cut that last part. Okay, go cool, bye. <laughs> bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 